You remember that speech you used to give us, Nick? About how one man can accomplish anything once he realizes he can be something bigger? Well, now I am. A part. A part of something bigger. Is that how it went? Not a great listener. If you tell me this whole hydropath thing you took is because you misheard my goddamn one-man speech... I am the key to the future of the universe. I'm the origin of you all You got things. it, right? Totally. Loud and clear. All right, everyone, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and joining me always is Soul Bro and Chris. Guys, say something. Something. What's up, gang? <laughs> uh, please forgive my voice. I'm low under the weather today. Your voice sounds fine. Oh, <laughs> so you're it not. Won't. You, you, you're, you've, you've, <laughs> you're just showing your weaknesses. I sound I'm like sure. You, I'm sure you're just putting that out there. So. When you get your butt stomped in Gundam Versus over the weekend, you'll say, well, I've, been, I've been a little sick. I've got a little cold in my chest. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. Hey. And uh, you're listening to episode 144 of Gundam. Mm-hmm. And this, we are complete liars. All three of us are complete liars. <laughs> Episodes ago, we said we'd only have one segment, only one topic mm-hmm. per episode. But we lied again. We lied last episode, and we lied again this episode. And I hope you guys don't hold it against us because we got a few little topics. I don't know if they'll be very popular or not. Uh, the first one's going to be uh, our Votomes Roundup mm-hmm. of the OVAs from the 1980s, uh, including such hits as The Last Red Shoulder, Big Battle, um, Roots of Ambition, Shiny Heresy, and Merrill Link. And uh, to top off the episode, we're going to speak to a voice actor. And not just any voice actor, a voice actor that would be known to all Gundam fans and a lot of other shows. Uh, David Kaye, the voice of Trey's, right? Hell guys? yeah. Yeah. And Sashomaru and Inuyasha and a host of other shows. So, um, yes, we lied. Sorry. You're going to have to go through two topics. Just call but, us Jericho. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just send the hate mail to sbrmhq at gmail.com because go, he, won't, and, he and, won't read his email for you know three months from now. And, so. I, and I will forward it to Brian Williams at NBC. There you go. <laughs> so, um, guys, anything uh, as I'm walking over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio that you need um, talking about? Anything? Anything? Any comics before we go into some Neo's Listeners Minute News articles? I'm ready to hear the groundbreaking news, man. What's oh, groundbreaking on? news. Groundbreaking. And this is going to be this is going to be turbo news mm. because we're running a little late, so I just took the best of the best. But before I begin, Chris, um, you're the mod, you're the god of Mecha Talk form, <laughs> aren't you? I am the the tyrant. Yes. As as well, many and the dictator, the cruel Dictator who forces my beliefs upon others and bans anyone who disagrees with me. You are the the Tywin Lannister of Mecha Talk. I would I would think, and that's not a bad thing because he's a cool old man, but um, (laughs) pretty damn pimp to be honest. But uh, I would like you, 
strike three has occurred. And I had a situation, and I checked. There was no prior editing. But we have two posters, and I'd like you to change their little names just for the next month or so instead of whatever it is, either Micah Flunky or Creepy Bichon or whatever it might be. I want you to give Mr. M121 Akuma and Philly Gundam fan the title of News Double Poster. Yes, News Double Poster. Eh, I can't be bothered to go on the administrative settings and do all that. <laughs> Damn you! You Mo- just took all my power away. How M- dare you? Mighty Moon News taking a break, man. <laughs> what do you expect, man? I'm on autopilot to get out of this show. There you go. All right. There you, you want go. me to do stuff? Screw it. Screw it. First topic, then. Cue the news theme. Soul Bro. We go. As I'm coming to you from the Larry King Memorial News Studio and doing some Neos listener submitted news, and this is the Shar Custom Edition, three times faster news because we got to get on, get on with the night here. The first one here comes from, and this is actually going to be given to two. I'm giving this credit to both people. One had the first topic, and then there was an update that came up later. But uh, and I could feel the soul bro dance coming on this. Mr. EA Net Dude and Mr. Burtman Four, they give us a little information about the upcoming Tornado Gundam box, uh, Blu-ray box set, one and two oh. release information. Yes, and here's some of that information that we're going to get. Tornado box set one is uh, slated for release September 24th, uh, 2014. Box set two. Uh, wow, Christmas. Christmas comes early. Moonlight Butterfly. What a, what, Moonlight Butterfly over, over your Christmas tree would be such a nice thing to see there. Mm-hmm. And some, some of the things that you're going to have is in box set one is uh, we're going to have episodes one through 25. Uh, we're going to have um, a new audio commentary. Of course, that'll be in Japanese. Uh, there's going to be a special booklet. There's some video awards. Um, there's the clean opening and ending, uh, the, the turn A turn, and the ending of Aura. Yeah. And then the box set, too. You're going to have pretty much the same stuff, uh, some new audio commentary. And, of course... Soul Bro will be able to see in all of its 1080p Blu-ray glory, century color. Yes. Aren't you excited, Soul Bro? Boo. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> Such a bastard. So, yeah, and there's, it's actually going to include an inner jacket drawn for a storage box. So, there's, uh, so uh, the last link here goes to the Gundam Guy blog, and they got some of the information on there, some pictures uh, and uh, definitely some good stuff. So we thought it would never happen. It was happening in Japan. So I'm sure it'll. I'm sure the uh, the Methods Channel will syndicate this uh, release for us. So that'll that'll be nice to see. <laughs> just saying, just saying. So thank you, Mr. EA Net Dude and Burtman for <clears throat> for your submissions. Oh, the next one here. And uh, gosh, I, th- th- this is awesome. Remember. Uh, one of the writers from uh, Into Dumbness yeah. and Revenge of the Fallen, he's in talks to direct Star Trek Three. Robert Orsi. Yep. So how excited are you guys? How excited? I mean, oh. just think. This will be the Star Trek that will follow up Into Dumbness, the, the greatest, dumbest film ever created for the Star Trek universe. I mean, I, 
I, I see death of the. I see a, a short-lived revival of the Star Trek universe. <laughs> I, I just finished slagging Kurtzman and Orsi yesterday for the garbage that is uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. So, Ooh, man. oh really? You went in, huh? I gotta hear that, boy. Not not looking forward to uh, oh. anything from either of these guys because, as I put it, uh, they've metastasized because they're splitting up. Yeah. To be even more horrible separately because this guy wants to do Star Trek Three and Kurtzman is going to be doing venom i mean they produce some decent tv shows and you'd figured that orsi who is never directed in his life as a showrunner he would have some kind of pull and say hey let me direct an episode or two of some of these popular shows that i produce just to get a feel of directing no the man wants to go and direct well, a the movie guys, the mm-hmm. guy's an asshole yeah and it's like dude you got into this whole like internet fight about into dumbness Right, because he went into the comments, and then he was being stupid. So clearly, it's probably the arrogance of you know yeah. I wrote all of these movies that made a kajillion dollars, but my argument on Chaos Theater was, well, mm-hmm. these are big tentpole movies that would have been successful without him without or him, exactly. his buddy. So he doesn't deserve any of the credit for that. All I know is that Paramount would be stupid, and I mean stupid. And anyone who's with Paramount that's probably not listening to the show, but if you happen to be listening, you're going to give this man a hundred and seventy-five million dollar movie budget when he's never proven himself as a director even kurtzman has directed he's directed episodes of tv shows and small movies so i at least give him credit i think they're gonna be looking at the diminishing returns of into darkness over the first ones yeah exactly they cannot allow him to direct that movie i don't care how much insight or how much he's written a script i don't care at the end of the day he's not proven and you can't give a a, a multi-million dollar uh production to a guy who's unproven as a director that's some old bullshit so um i i i I wasn't crazy i i enjoyed some parts of into dumbness but it had its problems and at the end of the day if he's going to direct this movie it's going to it's going to be art garbage i'm pretty sure so there you go that will be garbage back to you neo back oh well (laughs) i follow that up well thank you mr philly gundam fan for your submissions oh Mm -hmm. and that's done with the regular news sound the robo apocalypse alerts holy shit Is Neo so robophobic? Here we go. And the first one is coming from a guy who's pretty smart, even though a lot of them doesn't really work too well. Stephen Hawking. <laughs> and and this is actually coming from Mr. M121 Akuma. He posted up an article from a little site called the in, the Independent.uk. I take it's in Britain, because that's what UK is, right? <laughs> Let's but uh, it says here that Stephen Hawking is talking about that, speaking of bomb movies, uh, that Transcendence movie. <laughs> I, I didn't see it, but I heard it blows. Um, he's, he's, he goes, Transcendence looks at the implications of artificial intelligence, but are we taking AI seriously enough? And uh, Stephen Hawking, of course, he's a science consultant of the Human Resistance League. He's not thinking that we're really um, paying attention to giving AI all this power. Uh, because it will eventually kill us and uh, try to make us into batteries or just uh, wear us on their shoulders as uh, human uh, human skin coats. So um, once again, I don't understand why this is even an argument where people are saying, hey, let's let robots do things like fight our wars and our battles and stuff because uh, nothing will go wrong there if we just give them sole autonomy to uh, to our nuclear weapons arsenal and all the other arsenals that we have, biochemical and biological weapons, because, you know, hey, 
we don't want to see troops die because that's a bad thing. But <laughs> just like Trey said, how are you going to know the repercussions of the battle when you use mobile dolls? And this is a perfect segue into our later interview with General Trace Kushmanada himself. So Stephen Hawking, a true human American. <laughs> Thank you for keeping the fight on there. And the next one here comes from, and thank you, Mr. M121 Akuma, even though you screwed up before and got the third strike. But the next one here comes from the Hod. And this is a great segue because I think Stephen Hawking's British. And Mr. The Hod says here that from TheGuardian.com, it says a third of the Britons fear the rise of the robots. So we know, we know where we're falling back. When the robots, when the, room, when the cats riding Roombas are scratching at our ankles and, getting in, and having us to cross the vast ocean, we know that we can go to the great rock of the UK for safety because they don't like the robots either. Hey, they held off the Nazis. They should be able to hold off the robots. So... Uh, <laughs> This is just, uh, yes, it says here they, they question, they said, but they, the, and some disturbing news, it said that 17% of Britons are willing to have sex with an android. So, um, uh, <laughs> well, they're a little bit divided. Yeah. Little, little, little bit, yeah. 35% are concerned with the use of unmanned military drones. 42% expect to see teachers being replaced by robots in the classrooms. Ooh. Just what we need. We, th- th- this is how Hitler did it with his thing. Brainwash the young. They're going to have the robos, and they're going to brainwash the young. This is just terrible. Thankfully, there's 41% that thought having uh, had the notion of having sex with an android was just about creepy. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, we know where we're going to go. Thank you, Mr. The Hod, for your submission. Thank you, British people, for hating robots and fearing them like we all should. Thank you for that. <laughs> Next one here comes from Flamex. And, um, yeah, I don't even understand this. This is uh, coming from ExtremeTech.com. But it says here that the U.S. military begins research into a moral, ethical robots to stave off a Skynet-like apocalypse. Oh. Hey, you want to stave off a Skynet-like apocalypse? You don't connect everything to AI. You don't network everything. The Admiral was right. He didn't network anything in the Galactica. They, they've survived the apocalypse. He delivered humanity to Earth, and it was a whole and happy ending. Nice. So say we all. Shout out to Dr. Nooney and Soong. Man, he's working on that emotion chip. No, Let's go. This, this, yeah, this, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, DOD is working with the top scientists, philosophers, and rob- robocists to... Uh, uh, from a bunch of universities to try to tr- uh, trick tackle the tricky topic of moral and ethical mm-hmm. robots isn't an oxymoron. So I mean, <laughs> this is just uh, this is just bad. So yes, if you want to be scared into holy hell, read this article at length because there is some good information in here. A lot more than what we need to really go into. But uh, thank you, Mister Flamex, for your submission. All right, Soulbro, now sound off the real alarm. Oh, snap. It's that time, man. Everybody's favorite director. Yes. Let's go. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh, my God. That's bullshit. What the? Hey, he appears in this week's Time magazine Ooh. as the blockbuster summer movie director. So, F you. <laughs> Where, where's your article in Time, Soul Bro? <laughs> Critical bastard. It's coming. It's coming. Don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> <laughs> when you set the Guinness record of most deaths in Gundam Extreme Versus, there right? you go, man. That's, that's newsworthy right there. 
Well, the first one here comes from a, a longtime Surbay News Alert poster, Rodimus76, and I'm just going to go and he gives us a link for the second trailer of Teenage Mutant Alien Ninja <laughs> Kung Fu Fighting Robotic Turtles. Mm. The other movie that is going to kill childhoods. You're going to get the first childhood killing movie, Transformers 4, Age of Extinction of All Childhoods, and then you're going to get Teenage Alien Mutant Ninja uh, with bad halitosis turtles <laughs> killing other childhoods four or whatever. Yeah, it is four. That is the fourth yeah. turtles movie, isn't it? Yeah. I there would you say go. so. You might be right on the ladder. <laughs> after seeing there that, you go. After seeing that trailer, it's like, oh, Jesus. Way to have an open mind, Soul Bro. Hey, no, I'm, I'm still going to go way, see way it. Way to have an open I'm mind. I'm still going way to go way see way it. it. Remember, trailers do lie. So yes. I, I will go see it with open mind at a, at a matinee. <laughs> and, and trailers are, can be uh, can really blow blow the load for the movie too. I.e., mm-hmm. uh, people that are doing Godzilla. Why'd you ever show him? Uh, well, part part of the thing is we kind of know what he kind of looks like, but it would have been cool where it's like, damn, we just don't know, or we just see a foot. But nah, we got to show the thing, and now he's eating a Fiat on on TV. What they, the hell is that all about? They've been showing off toys for months. We know what he looks like. <laughs> Yeah, they, but not in not in movie action. They that's don't. A little, that's a little bitty. That's that's a baby Godzilla. They don't show like us that much. Dragon. They don't show us. They actually not have shown us any fights. They they say let them fight, and you see them approaching each other. But we haven't seen a fight in a commercial yet. I've seen I've seen him stomp on stuff uh-huh. on TV. I'm watching the TV right now. I'm mute. And I just saw him stomp on stuff. Right. And he ate a Fiat. Okay, but but he hasn't punched now, a Fiat. Now old Godzilla was doing some. <laughs> Was doing some water skiing with a Snickers bar. Yes, that was kind of cool. That I was like awesome. That. So, but uh, all right, back to survey news. This is go. a Godzilla news. Let's this is go. survey Let's news. Go. And the last one here comes from poster EA Net Dude, and he gives us the trifecta, the tri survey news alerts. He oh. has three of them here. Holy shit! Oh my god, this is the way to do it. And, and he set the bar now for all you posters of survey news alerts. So scour the interwebs. <laughs> The first one here is he has a link for new images and details from producer Lorenzo Bavaterci about the image of Optimus in a Willem Dafoe pose from Platoon. Why are we fighting this war? And Bumblebee shooting something with Chinese star throwers on his back. That's pretty cool. So, and that source is coming from the Transformers live action movie blog and USA Today. Well, this, that's what happened to William Dafoe. It's I like, know. come on, what say me? You know, why are we fighting this damn war? Damn politicians. You know, I guess Optimus. I guess the I guess the politicians of Cybertron uh, let him down. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, we have another. He, he, he followed the second news new ba- new survey news alert. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting too excited here because it's getting it's getting close to that time. We know it's only about a month or so away. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the source is total film via the Transformers live action mo- uh, movie blog. And uh, it says here that uh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg is talking about the Dinobots, and he says, the way the Dinobots come to life is spectacular. They're not the easiest bunch to control either. It's pretty awesome how they evolve. They took the form of these dinosaurs, and to see Optimus has to do to get them to comply and save humanity. It's pretty incredible. They have everything uh, when asked if they have weapons from the cartoons and the comics. So they have all their weapons, everything that you can imagine. They're giant dinosaurs that are also robots. What's not to love about that? That's pretty damn cool. The only thing that would be cooler is if they were baby dragons that turned into robots. Oh. So who knows? But uh, And the last one here is going to be 
a link for the new theatrical poster revealed and the new trailer date. Yes, uh, the, the tagline on the new uh, poster is stand together or face your childhood's extinction or just face extinction. I put that childhood <laughs> part in there. And <laughs> the, uh, the, the last final trailer for the latest of the survey classics will uh, premiere. Oh, this Thursday that we're recording. So yes. Oh. And it's going to be on before Godzilla's in the theater. So Ooh. there you go. And that source is coming from Denna geek and the Transformers Age of Extinction of All Childhoods Facebook group. So, um, gosh, it's going to be an explosive summer, and I am just way too happy about this because I, I actually cannot wait, to, and I might put up a post once childhoods are extinct, extinguished for people to talk about how, at what part of their movie their childhood extinguished. So thank you, all the posters, for your submissions. And if you ever have any news articles, survey news alerts, or robo-apocalypse stories, and also human resistance leak stories. We like those, too. You can go to the uh, Neo's Listenersman News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the MechaTalk forum. And now I'm going to give this over to Chris for a little old-timey news. All right, and the old-timey news thread is closed because oh. I am going on summer vacation as previously announced so I'm going to be cleaning out all the remaining ones and then it'll be going on hiatus next episode so we're going to start with Yokozuna Bulldozer. Tonight only it's Tamino versus Tamino <laughs> the raging young condor of sunrise steps up to settle the score with his future self to show the world there is only pain and suffering and war because war never ends Live from Odaiba, it's Celebrity Deathmatch at its finest. Showa Tamino versus Heisei Tamino. Zambot versus King Gaina. Double Zeta versus Brain Powered. Gundam versus Gundam. Special commentators are Toru Furuya and Shuichi Ikeda. With Fukuda as the referee, hoping that this time ending bloodbath will be ending with understanding. Who will win? Who will survive? pay-per-view at its finest. Don't miss it. This is Gundam Deathmatch. <laughs> <laughs> and this next one comes from AJQ32, which has uh, hints of Robot Apocalypse for Neo from oh, uh, nice. some, uh, some old flashbacks to Toonami. Ooh. A mechanized army of circuitry and metal, cold and emotionless, Carry out tasks without conscience. Robots. Thousands. Programmed for destruction. March towards the future. Man's greatest inventions, making the impossible possible, are no longer under our control. This new breed of technology makes humanity obsolete. Robots. Thinking. Acting on their own. Begin their march toward domination. These machines built by man serve no one. The robots among us watching. Waiting. Calculate the new world order. Their time is coming. They cannot be stopped. With perfect weapons and superior intelligence, robots rule this planet. Let the fall of mankind give way to a new age. <laughs> That's the soundtrack of my nightmares. There you go, man. There you go. So sweetly red. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the nice warm glass of milk with that as oh. you get, get your face ripped off by T a, a Roomba. Tucks you right in. 
And next we have Yokozuna Bulldozer again. I'm Rex, founder of the Rex Kwando Self-Defense System. After one week with me in my dojo, you'll be prepared to defend yourself with the strength of a grizzly, the reflexes of a puma, and the wisdom of a man. Come down today for your free trial lesson. <laughs> That's freaking from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, I think. That's terrible. <laughs> Our next one comes from Fear Junkie. <clears throat> Hate. Let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nano-angstrom of those hundreds of miles, it would not equal one one billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro-instant. For you, hate. Hate. Uh, damn. God, damn, did the general write that? Fear junkie, you too. You, you, no, is, robotic is, general. The robotic general. <laughs> is that so? Man, good stuff. Next one comes from some random weirdo hawk of Endymion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that I did this. Oh, Jesus. Hang on for maximum mayhem. Full on fun in the wildest chase scenes ever put on film. The action and comedy never stop when superstars Martin Lawrence and Will Smith reunite as out of control, trash talking buddy cops. Bullets fly, cars crash, and laughs explode as they pursue a whacked out drug lord from the streets of Miami to the barrios of Cuba. <laughs> But the real fireworks result when Lawrence discovers that Playboy Smith is secretly romancing his sexy sister, Gabrielle Union. Director, Sir Michael Bay, and producer Jerry Bruckheimer deliver a high-speed, high-octane blockbuster that will blow you away. (laughs) Any ideas what uh, movie this is? I don't got a a clue. Uh, The... the Muppets? Oh my God! Yes, yeah. Muppets take Manhattan. Oh, Muppets yeah. sound. The Muppets sound awful dope, man. Damn! What have I been? Th- what have I been doing all my life? <laughs> Hating bastard. <laughs> oh, this will be a good one. Um, so I'm gonna need you to drop a beat for this one Uh-oh. in editing. <laughs> oh, right, let's go. So it comes from Proteus. I'm Bane. Yes, that's my name. When you hear the name Bane, I guarantee the pain. I'm coming after you, Bruce Wayne. I'm stronger, smarter, and clinically insane. I'm Bane. Yes, that's my name. Bruce Wayne and Batman are totally the same. I broke his bat, Mortal Kombat smack, then I cracked my 28 Krug champagne. What? I'm Bane. Yes, it's a shame. I declare martial law... And you all complain. I laugh when you ask why I wear the mask. I'll explain. (laughs) It's because I'm Bane. Yes, that's my name. You say it too much, the name becomes inane. Of course. Some think my plan lacks game. If you say it to my face, I'll crash your plane. (laughs) What? (laughs) When I say no, you say survivors. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, fucking amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, this next one is uh, very short and sweet from M121 Akuma. See if you can guess where this one is from. Oh, my. 
Transcending History and the World, A Tale of Souls and Swords, Eternally Retold. Oh, my God. Clearly, it's uh, Pokemon. So Clearly, clearly. <laughs> Soul Edge or Soul Blade, that's amazing, man. That's, that's, uh, that, that game had a powerful narrator. Awesome. Thank you very much, M121 Akuma. That takes me back. And next up is Zaldrin. He's got uh, a Gundam-related one. Uh-oh. We have lost a hero to our glorious and noble cause. But does this foreshadow our defeat? No. It is a new beginning. Compared to the Earth Federation, the national resources of Xeon are less than one-thirtieth of theirs. Despite this major difference, how is it that we have been able to fight the fight for so long? It is because our goal in this war is a righteous one. It's been over 50 years since the elite of Earth, consumed by greed, took control of the Earth Federation. We want our freedom. Never forget the times when the Federation has trampled us. We, the Principality of Xeon, have had a long and arduous struggle to achieve freedom for all citizens of our great nation. Our fight is sacred, our cause divine. My beloved brother, Garmazabi, was sacrificed. Why? This war is at a stalemate. Perhaps many of you have become complacent. Such a lack of compassion is... The Earth Federation has polluted our most cherished planet for their own greed. We must send them a message, but not composed of words. We have wasted too much time with words. We need action now. The Earthside elite must be taught a strong lesson for their evil corruption. This is only the beginning of our war. We have been putting more and more money into our efforts towards making our military stronger than ever. The Earth Federation has done the same. Many of your fathers and brothers have perished valiantly in the face of a contemptible enemy. We must never forget what the Federation has done to our people. My brother, Kamazabi, has shown us these virtues through our own valiant sacrifice. By focusing our anger and sorrow, we are finally in a position where victory is within our grasp, and once again, our most cherished nation will flourish. Victory is the greatest tribute we can pay those who sacrifice their lives for us. Rise, our people, rise! Take your sorrow and turn it into anger. Zeon thirsts for the strength of its people. Sieg Zeon. <laughs> you made it all the way through, man. That's like the marathon of Zeon speeches. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Powerful, powerful um, speech writing. Shout out to Girin, man. And his, uh, <laughs> and his untimely uh, headshot. <laughs> And we will close as we started with Yokozuna Bulldozer. Oh, man, this guy's been busy, man. The year is 2XXX. After the Plavsky outbreak of 2014, the world has become a desolate wasteland where gunpla are rampant like wolves hunting down people as their prey. What? Kendo equipment and tires of all sorts are now the primary means of protection. But despite the tragedy, some have banded to fend off the pests like gunpla with their own. Join the Mao and his band of brothers, Iori Rei, Mr. Sengoku, Kid Fellini, Old Majin, and annoying mascot Sazaki Jr. as they wander through the rubbles to find revenge, love, freedom, and certainly not understanding. Coming soon to all major streaming services, it is the Fist of Gunpla. Gunpla Shock. Gunpla Shock. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do-do. 
Fantastic. Yes. So next episode we will conclude for the summer finale of the old-timey submissions, all of the remaining ones, and then it'll come back at some future date. Right on. Right on. All right. Man, we're in the final stretch of the, at least this season of... Uh, of the uh, of the old timey man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be sad when it's gone for a while, man. It's gonna take a nice nice break, you guys. During the break, think of some really good ones. So when Chris opens it's up old, the floodgates, man, old timey never sleeps. Old timey never sleeps. It's just taking a break. <laughs> yeah, you, you do realize that you're almost uh, signing your own death warrant on this, Chris. When you open up a new one, <laughs> there's gonna be a deluge. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep closing it occasionally. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you open it day one, you close it the next day. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be like I only opened this eight hours ago and I already got fifteen pages. Be so. like the be like the Panama Canal. <laughs> sweet. So. Sweet. Alright, well thank you, Chris, for your submission or for your um, rendition of the submissions from the listeners. So thank you everyone and uh, guys, anything before we go to our first of two segments this episode. Oh man, I'm ready for some Chirico, man. Alright. Well, you're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Hello everyone, I'm David Kay, a.k.a. the voice of Professor X from that old series, X-Men Evolution, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Logan? Logan, where is Storm? Kill it a comfort tea. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning, In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. The Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast presents How Does Chiaki Play the Good Cop? I don't care how important what you are saying is in real life, in anime, in any media. I don't care how touching the music is, or how the character relations are being developed. If you have a shot while this discussion or this meaning is being delivered or is taking place, and in the foreground of this shot, I have a bikini girl's ass in my face, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It stops mattering. So if you want to have your message... Have your message. If you want to have your bikinis, have your bikinis. But bikinis, Trump. She's still working on it. She really can't. She's not going to. You can't play good cop at all. For more Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, visit www.aaapodcast.com or iTunes. 
Gun down, down, down. Welcome back to Gundam and MHQ. This is Chris, and we're going to be jumping into the middle segment of our Votomes Roundup. So last time we had covered the original TV series, and this time we are going to cover all of the OVAs from the 80s and 90s. And then in the final segment, we will cover all of the 21st century OVAs. Mm -hmm. So we are going to start with The Last Red Shoulder which was released in 1985 and has Ryosuke Takahashi directing again. And the first three OVAs that we'll be talking about are double-length one-shots that are an hour each. So Last Red Shoulder takes place during the TV series after Uodo, but before Kumin. So Chiriko's on his own, separated from all of his pals. And... We begin with a flashback to his time as a red shoulder with a couple of other troublemakers named Gregor, Byman, and Musa. Mm -hmm. And Chirico meets up with them in the present, and they get a couple of uh, customized scope dogs ready for a mission, which is to take down Palesen. Mm -hmm. So this is where we get our first mention of Palesen, who was not in the TV series at all, and as we know, was the leader of the Red Shoulders. So they are going to do a raid on Palesen's secret compound, which is where some perfect soldier work is going on. And this is where we find Fianna is being kept. So there's all these secret society types here. And it's also chronologically our first introduction to Ypsilon, who we see waking up here and because Fianna's the first person that he sees, he becomes just as devoted to her as she becomes to Chirico in the TV series. Mm -hmm. So there's um, a lot of scope dog action as one would expect and in a continuity maintaining move uh, Chirico never sees Ypsilon so their first meeting in the TV series is not spoiled. Mm -hmm. And in the and the result is that Palesen gets taken down and there's a lot of death and destruction. So, brief summary. And now, Sobra, what are your thoughts on Last Red Shoulder? Well, uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, I, 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 it was cool to see other Red Shoulders for once um, and uh, finally find out a little bit more about the uh, organization that Chirgo was, uh, had belonged to. Uh, by meeting some of his uh, former former uh, soldiers that he that he worked alongside of, uh, the fact that they were pretty much at the end of their uh, uh, their lives was was kind of a morbid thing. You can kind of tell from the beginning that they, being from the title, the last red shoulder, that they weren't going to be probably surviving this this uh, this story. 
But it, it was interesting to get all their different stories, how one of them, uh, his family was killed off. So, you know, he was kind of doing it to get revenge for uh, uh, his family being murdered by, I guess, the powers that be. And then one of them had lost his right hand. What was it, Ballman? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I haven't a, watched yeah, this in a while. Yeah. He had a cybernetic uh, uh, hand, and he didn't fight uh, the other guy, Musa. He didn't fight him back um, because he didn't want to, like, do some serious damage to him. And then you find out his sad story and and how uh, he was just kind of holding back his feelings about what uh, what they were about to face. Um, just to get a little introspective on all the characters was the the best thing about it to me. And, of course, how it kind of ties things uh, together between Uedo and uh, Kumin was a little nice touch. Um, it was it's funny to see Ypsilon be so innocent when he was born. <laughs> yeah, before he becomes Mister Psychopath. Oh my God! And uh, you, it it does show exactly how powerful the imprinting is uh, from 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 uh, a perfect soldier to the person that imprints upon them. So if there's any reason to watch this, that uh, gives you a little bit more insight and in how devoted <clears throat> Ypsilon is to uh, to Fiona. Because of the fact that uh, she was his first, pretty much his first contact, um, I thought it was a solid watch, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, Neil. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the best, the biggest thing is, is you really get a more of an explanation of the uh, thought process and the selection of the red shoulders. I mean, uh, as we go into the first series, Votomes, it kind of. Especially as we're in Planet Sansa with that crazy late woman about, you know, obsessed <laughs> about the red shoulders, you kind of, you, you're always kind of sitting there going, hmm, what, what is this all about? You know, there's a little bit brief about it. You hear some things here and there about these guys are just complete badasses. But here we get to really kind of see the uh, uh, bigger scope of, uh, and, you know, of course, we're introduced to Colonel Pales. And so it kind of. scope. Bigger scope <laughs> as in dog, scope, dog. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it, that's definitely a really cool thing to see. And, and then of course, like um, Solpro said, you get you know you get these poor three bastards that you know are going to die, <laughs> especially once you you start getting their reasons uh, of why they're in the in the military and things like that. Um, it w- I think probably one of the strongest points in this show is the whole situation with Ypsilon and Fiana where he goes through the same thing that she goes through when she saw Chirico because it was the first person she saw. So it kind of reinforces where instead of sometimes in a lot of anime and just a lot of stories, whatever, you know, always these people for whatever reason get devoted to each other and you're always kind of sitting there going, why? Well, as we can see, it's, it's a factor of their programming or genetics or, or you know, whatever, whatever the case may be with the perfect soldiers. And it, it was kind of interesting to see, hey, okay, this just, this just isn't a convenient love story or a convenient love interest for Chirico. There is, an, there is a uh, reason behind this. And like Chris had stated, it's, I like the way where it's like you're almost kind of thinking they're going to spoil this. Chirico is going to know Ypsilon. He's going to see him, but nope, nope. So it's that 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 was pretty good. So, um, but yeah, definitely uh, a, a great way to kind of tie in some of that lost time in between Udeo and um, Kumin, and and then of course you get to see the uh, the gang at the end of this when uh, Chirico goes into Kumin, uh, Vanilla, Gotho, and Kokutina. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's still got that. It, it, it's almost like you know, it's it's kind of like what an, an OVA 
uh, a post series OVA is, you know, something that just kind of ties you enough to the original story, but still it's, 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 it's its own separate story. So, but definitely some good stuff. So back to you, Chris. I don't have much more to add beyond what you two have said. And <laughs> what I like about this OVA, aside from, you know, filling in the gap for Chirico between Uodo and Kumin is that it sheds a lot more light on the Red Shoulders as an organization, because yeah. as you'd mentioned, Neo, you know, we only got a little bit of information about them in the Sunsa arc, and mm-hmm. we see like you know who their commander is, which is Palesin, and you know how he had planned for these four guys to die, and that sort of lends some more background to you know the assassination attempt on Chirico in episode one of the TV show, and sort of ties the conspiracy in a little closer together. Yep. And of course, so much scope dog murdering action. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> with uh, these four guys fighting, you know, all of the remnants of their former units and taking them all down. Yeah, exactly. And getting taken down until only Chirico is left. <laughs> but isn't that the way it's supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. So, and then also, as uh, you guys had mentioned, the start of Ypsilon getting some more background on his character. And seeing how different he was at the inception mm-hmm. versus how he later becomes in the TV series. So, why don't we give ratings on this OVA and we'll move on to our next target, Solbro. I have to give this, uh, this uh, OVA four cybernetic hands out of five. Neo? I'd, I'd have to give this four and a half innocent epsilons out of five. <laughs> Innocence is truly lost. Nice. Well, I really dug this one, so I will give it five dead red shoulders out of five. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> May they rest in peace and pieces. <laughs> Indeed. So the next OVA that we're talking about was released in 86 with Takahashi again directing. Mm-hmm. And this one is Big Battle, also known as Battle of the Heterogeneous Species. Nice. Which is yeah. a pretty unwieldy title. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting thing about this one. This one takes place during episode 52. Mainly uh, after the main part of the episode. But before the epilogue where Chirico and Fiona get shot off into space in that uh, cryogenic capsule. So, this is during that year when they're on the run before the war starts up again between the Gilgamesh and the Ballarant. Mm-hmm. So we uh, are focusing at first on this guy named Rada Neva, who is uh, totally psychotic. And he's uh, a fighter in battling, which we saw in the TV show. And his whole thing is that he is the Ballarant version of the perfect soldier. But he's got a lot of like crazy, like, cyborg parts in him and he is just completely psychotic (laughs) and Shiriko gets pulled into this fight because the Gilgamesh are still trying to get Fianna back and he's uh, got some problems because he's trying to maintain the Jujirium supply for her regular baths and of course this means that he has to fight Rada in a showdown between himself and this uh, psychopath Mm mm-hmm so, Nia, what were your thoughts on Big Battle? A little bit of a letdown from Last Red Shoulder. Um, I, I like the fact that we go into the battling 
um, you know, the battling um, tournament, and we kind of see that going on. And once again, it's kind of a clever way of sh- using a time skip within one of the episodes to kind of make this all kind of make a little bit of sense and still have it within the same, uh, the original show. But uh, yeah, Rada is just completely annoying. And I understand why he's there because you want to see the Ballarant version of this. But it was just kind of the cut and paste of you rebuild this guy and then he, he you know, predictably um, turns on everybody and then he, what, he takes over the, the Jarwa's land ship and he starts yes, fighting everybody. Jarwa's. <laughs> so, and uh, he was just completely annoying and it was nice to see him die. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, there, there's some other stuff in there that's okay. I, I like the, you know, of course, Cherico taking care of Fiona, making sure she gets the baths and stuff, and and some of the, you know, the interaction between Gotha and that other uh, promoter within the battling tournament. Mm-hmm. But this guy was just so freaking annoying to me <laughs> that it's just, it just really, I, I was just like, come on, Cherico, you've got to kill him, and it was just like. Uh, he, he was such um, he was such a cut and paste uh, villain, which is surprising. Um, the fact that you know Takahashi's doing it, it is a one shot, but you know, as we saw in the previous episode, we see like Pales and you know a guy that just completely comes out of the blue, who's a much more interesting uh, villain and uh, you know antagonist to deal with. This guy was just your run in the mill psychopath who's just run amok with power so mm-hmm. um definitely definitely a step down from the last red shoulder so but back to you chris all right well uh <laughs> Solbro, what were your thoughts my thoughts honestly i actually enjoyed it <laughs> oh, that's fine. I, I didn't realize at first uh where it fell into the timeline uh until like five minutes and it's like yo when where does this fall in? So I look it up. It's like, oh, this is like in between the second half of like episode 52. So I thought it was kind of cool because, of course, there's a year that's kind of unaccounted for in the lives of Fiona, Fiona and uh, Jericho. So it's nice to see a little insight in this year. And I would I would have loved after seeing this OVA, I would love to see like uh, maybe a, a small series of their random adventures and encounters uh, during during that year before they end up getting uh, thrown into the uh, the cryo tube. And just kind of see the build up to that, and this this kind of gave a little insight to that to 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 what could happen in that time. Um, I really enjoyed finally seeing one of the the um, the perfect soldiers from the Ballarant side because they kind of rumored that fact that they were making their own, and to finally see one um, in the OVA was was kind of refreshing. Even though he was a nutso, and the fact he should have never survived his encounter with the red shoulders to begin with. <laughs> I think he got stepped on by a scope dog, right? Yeah, I he think got so. totally crushed. Yeah. He's like, he should be, free, he should be paced. <laughs> but, he, but his hate, but his hate kept him alive. Because <laughs> that's what the emperor told him to do. I mean, wait, what? The emperor? Mm-hmm. Life, life I'm, lessons. I'm, I'm man. completely confused by all the Jawas. The Jawas. <laughs> yeah. Too much Star Wars influence. Too much. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it did end up being a last boss battle um, towards the end. But uh, I've, I've been wanting to see a return to the Coliseum for a while in a Votum series. So it's pretty awesome to see that in this and later on in another series we'll talk about. So um, I, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, Neil brought up a lot of great points that I, I, I just won't go over because he already brought it up. But uh, I, I enjoyed this one. It was a guilty pleasure, I, I guess I would say. All right. Well, I enjoyed this one. It's not too outstanding. And mm-hmm. Rada is kind of an annoying psychopath but 
I like catching up with the characters after the sort of hasty epilogue to the TV series. Yeah. So it was good to have them back and uh, good scope dot combat because of course, you know, yeah. Chirico kills people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you never go wrong with that. So I don't have much more to add. So let's do uh, ratings. Neo. Oh, it's got to be three Jawa land ships out of five. <laughs> Sobro. I would go with a uh, 4.5 degenerate gamblers out of five. Mm. I'm going to give this one four really ganky eyeballs out of five. Neato. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those eyeballs. Nice. And we're going to move on now to the last of these 80 Shiriko one-shots released in 1988 and again directed by Takahashi. Mm-hmm. This one is Red Shoulder Document, Roots of Ambition. Oh, man. So this is a prequel OVA that is set before the TV series and shows Chirico's induction into the red shoulders. So this is the earliest story in the chronology because pales and files takes place after this. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Mm -hmm. So we see the very brutal trading process for wasteful too. Oh my God. Yes. Well, if you think about this, this is an interstellar army where they have planets of recruits to choose from. So if you have to kill a bunch of recruits to find the best ones, you know, does it really matter? Because there's always more. uh, Yeah, I just I just found it so uh, not even really the recruits. I'm I was like, God, they're just blowing up scope scope dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, those could just be like shitty scope dogs with cheap armor that are. Yeah. What is this designed to not cost too much? What is this? The anime version of the Blazing Saddles? Don't use horses, you dummy. <laughs> well, it's it's not even that. It's just I mean you know, the scope dogs are, are death coffins anyway, so mm-hmm. they yeah. can't really be that expensive. <laughs> There's so many of them. And, and like maybe they, maybe yeah, maybe they're like the yeah, they are kinda like the Mr. Ball of uh Votomes, so mm-hmm. but yeah, go it's, ahead, it's Chris. Like, sorry. Oh, scope dogs blown up. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Cherico went through how many in the show alone? So, yeah. yeah. So we see, of course, more of Palesen, you know, now in the time when he was commanding the Red Shoulders and his lackey Lyman were introduced to chronologically. Uh, Gregor, Byman, and Musa, and they don't get along with Chirico at first. In oh fact, they try to kill him. Oh, several times over. <laughs> several times. Until he shows them all what's what and who's who. Mm-hmm. And we see uh, some action on Sansa. And as the story progresses, uh, Palesin lays down some knowledge on Chirico about the supreme survivor of, you know, people who very occasionally are born with special gifts that allow them to survive situations that no one else possibly can. Mm -hmm. And he starts laying down some knowledge about Chirico's past because, as we find out, uh, Chirico came from Sansa. Mm -hmm. And the image of him in a fire came from when he met Palesen, when the Red Shoulders were running around blowing shit up. (laughs) Yeah. So that's some interesting information. But also uh, in a struggle, Palesen shoots Chirico in the heart at point-blank range and manages to still miss. (laughs) Because of that old Wiseman juice. Oh, indeed. The heart just 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 scooted out the way. (laughs) The bullet, it saw it coming. No, his heart, his heart parried the, uh, the the shot. Damn, damn. 
What can't Chirico do? <laughs> so by the end of the story, more people die, and uh, Palesin is freaked the fuck out <laughs> by Chirico. Yeah. So, Silver, what were your thoughts on Roots of Ambition? Wow, this is one of my favorite ones. I, I sat there and watched this. I was transfixed. Um, ever since uh, Palesin saw witnesses the, spur- the birth of Space Jesus, uh, a.k.a. Chirico. <laughs> That scene where you see Chirico in the green mist getting sucked out into space and he survived that. It's like, oh, my God, this kid's indestructible. <laughs> he's freaking Wolverine. You oh can't my, kill him. He's, like, he's got X Factor, man. I, I don't know what to Who say. Who would win in a fight between the two of them? Oh, my God. Well, uh, I don't know. Chirico Barehanded. Went, oh, fuck. Well, yeah, well, Chirico's going to have a little bit of tough time. <laughs> okay, well, he's got like his little magnum. There you go. There you go. <laughs> He's going to have to play some, play some well-placed shots and have some exp- have some crazy magazines. Um, but, yeah, um, also this OVA is uh, also called Chirico is a Liar. <laughs> in, in both tomes, you, uh, oh, yeah. you talked about this, and you uh, brought this up to me. You brought this up to me um, when we talked about the TV show last episode. Um, one of these OVAs would retcon kind of a statement he makes in both tomes to, uh, what's her name, Sophie? That that chick yeah. on Sunset, how, yeah. how he never had uh, ever gone to Sunset at all. When of course he's from there, and his flashback um, and had also fought there, and also fought there. And maybe yeah. maybe he lied about it because he didn't want to share his his. He, you know, he would come with a story, a story he's not too keen on sharing. Or maybe so, it's just a retcon. Maybe it's a- <laughs> I, 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 I'm good with the latter. Yeah. Solbro is trying to explain it. I'm just Maybe saying, Chirico does hold shit close to the chest. I, so, I, I, think, I think in this instance, it's just a retcon by the by the writer of the show. You know, it, she, and, and not the only retcon. Right, yeah, exactly. Because there's a much there's a far bigger retcon that needs to be discussed that uh, we should probably make mention of. Oh, no doubt. I'll, I'll let you bring that up then. But uh, yeah, it was good to see Chirico's humble beginnings, man. How he went into the worst boot camp ever. How pretty much, uh, pretty much every grunt was disposable, and that's how they weeded out the weeded out the weak uh, people from the from the strong. Uh, he he made friends with that one guy who you knew was destined to get smoked. <laughs> the one decent red shoulder. <laughs> he was not long for this world, that's for sure. And nope. and 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 to see him go out at the end was just uh, it's like well, well it's about time it happened. <laughs> <laughs> watching my watch but uh i i really enjoyed this uh all, all the tests they put chirico through all the way when he got shot in the heart um uh by Pelson and how he had to look had he, how he got the fear of god put into him from what chirico when he came to realization what chirico truly was um was was all interesting and uh i, I really enjoyed it I, I thought it was a fantastic ova neil yeah i mean she's um if if you ever think that you know, trying out for something's hard, then you don't want to try out for the, the red shoulders because this isn't one of these situations where it's like, yeah, I tried out for the Navy SEALs and I broke my leg and, you know, I had to wash out. Nah, you're going home in a pine box in this one. And a lot of times, based on the combat, uh, your mom and dad are just getting a flag. Whoa. And that's, that's about it. But, um, yeah. It, 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 you're going home in a vase? <laughs> Uh, that's oh saying that something has been able to, yeah, uh, oh. to find there. But um, yeah, if you like death, uh, this this is the show. I, I just love. I mean, the the standout scene in this is just when 
they bring in the recruits and they're like, yeah, go up the hill and try to break through. This is just a training exercise. And the, <laughs> the first guy gets blown up. They're like, wait, they're, they're using live ammo? It's oh. like, yeah. <laughs> we went shoulder, son. Yeah. Bring it's it. yeah. Or go it's, home. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, just and the gauntlet the poor Cherico goes through. It's like for one hour. Yeah, he went through a lot of crap in the TV show, but it's like take that and multiply it by 10 it almost seemed like in this one and uh, only only have only doing it within an hour so um and you know that outside of uh the training the initial training section probably the second most memorable part is the end where they're having the parade oh, of yes. the soldiers and Palesen's just sitting there in the uh, review stand with the other officers and at the last truck he's like oh there's all the Chirico's squad mates. Oh crap! There's Chirico, <laughs> <laughs> and you just see utter horror on his face. But um, and Chirico's oh, stone cold killer expression. Exactly. And, 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 and the thing that Chirico said to him, like they never let, make it audible, but he said something to him as he was choking the life out of him, yeah, and then he repeated it when he was on that parade platform. And it's like, what the what the hell is he saying? You know. It, well, it's not good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anytime they don't. <laughs> And, and, I mean, in any show, when, when mm-hmm. you see somebody say something to somebody and they're not whispering to them mm-hmm. and you don't hear it, they intentionally – it's not good. It's never, it's never good. Nice. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And, of course, yeah, that, that whole <laughs> – it is funny because you do think back in the, first, in the first show and you're like, oh, well, he was denying all that stuff in, in, uh, in Sunset. But, hey, whatever. Who cares? But um, – yeah, definitely, uh, def- definitely a, a nice uh, bit of action here and, and, and death, as, as we get accustomed to in uh, um, Votoms, Scope Dog and Pilot Murder. So what else more can you ask for? So uh, back to you, Chris. Nice. I, I think I know what he was saying, man. He was saying Ezekiel 2517 from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he will carry out great vengeance and furious anger, man. I, 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 that, that's Chirico. But back, back to you, Chris. Sorry. So I did enjoy getting the background of Chirico and the Red Shoulders and showing just to the extent of the bashers that these guys are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're awful. <laughs> Such dicks. <clears throat> but, uh, yes, it definitely does uh, retcon uh, Chirico's line to Sophie about not having fought on Sansa. But more importantly, mm-hmm. it starts a series of retcons that continues in Pales and Files. And as much as I like this OVA, there is this one element I don't like, which is it kind of spoils the story for Chirico in advance. Yeah, oh, true. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Because he knows that he's special. Yeah. Yeah. And that he's this supreme survivor who survives against all of the odds when other men would die. Whereas in the TV show, he's trying to figure out this mystery of why this secret society is hunting him and all these people want to get him and what's so special about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes on that journey of discovery. It's like, well, but now he already sort of knows why. But that, that kind of bothers me about this story that they went yeah. in that direction, which is a common – it's unfortunately yeah. a common trap that prequels fall into. Yeah, they, they always do that stuff. And sometimes they get avoided, but – too often, you know, they, they jump into they do this it, yeah. where they, they jump into things and they end up spoiling things that the character is not supposed to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Otherwise, it is a solid story, though. It's got great action and it's full of a bunch of bastards. Mm-hmm. 
As Votum should be. <laughs> As Votum should be. And interesting, you know, production-wise, this is the first OVA of Votums to not have any of Chirico's gang in it at all. Yeah. Oh, yo, that's true. Yeah. Because in the case of Fianna, she doesn't exist yet. And in the case of everyone else, he hasn't met them yet. Yep. Yeah. It's prior to episode one. Mm-hmm. And this is one of uh, only the few times that we don't see them at all. The other being our uh, final topic for tonight, uh, Shining Heresy. But we'll get to that later on. So ratings for this one, Solbro. I got to give this one five disposable grunts out of five. Neil? Five Uncle Sam needs you out of five. <laughs> or or I actually, Uncle uh, Gilgamesh needs you. <laughs> I'm going to give this one five harsh recruitment practices out of five. Oh, my God. <laughs> five empty pine boxes. <laughs> five flags out of five. Folded. Oh, man. So we're going to move on now to a 12-episode OVA series and mm-hmm. take a bit of a break from Chirico because we're going to be discussing Armor Hunter Merrill Link, which was released from... 1988 to 89, and this is directed by Takeyuki Kanda, who we know from having done Vifum and Dragon R and the first half of 8th MS Team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no Chiriko in this series at all, because it's instead about a guy named Merolink Arati, and he is a former Scope Dog pilot who was part of this unit that was fighting on this planet called Plan Pendal, and they all died, and he's the only survivor. Mm-hmm. So we slowly get this backstory revealed over the course of these episodes because in each episode he is hunting down one of the former commanders of that unit and quite viciously exacting his revenge upon them with his anti-AT rifle. Ooh. So we see throughout the story bits of this that basically all of the grunts were set up to take the fall for this massive theft of Jigerium, and they had all of their scope dogs taken away in the face of a Ballarant assault, and they all died except for Merrillink. Mm-hmm. And his reward for surviving was to be put on trial and be charged with all of these crimes that he didn't commit. So in a case of very bad courtroom security, <laughs> grabs his AT rifle that is right there on display as Exhibit A in the courtroom runs and runs away. <laughs> he grabs Exhibit B, too. The, uh, the dog tags? <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, he did. Someone should fire the bailiff. <laughs> so... The story is sort of like uh, a classic Western kind of thing where in each episode he is methodically hunting down one of the former high-ranking officers who all have you know, moved on to uh, much nicer positions as commanders in other units or they've become wealthy and they've uh, done stuff in the private sector or in some cases they're part of uh, battling and he keeps crossing paths with a girl named Lulucy and this dude named Keek Carradine who uh, <laughs> knows way more than he lets on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as it turns out, this series does tie in very closely with the TV show because the massive 
Jajirium theft on Planbendal was orchestrated by the secret society, and it was all this conspiracy to get this massive source of Jajirium that was needed for the perfect soldier project. Mm-hmm. So all of that stolen Jajirium that Marilink's buddies died for is the stuff of Fianna's showers. Yeah. <laughs> and Ypsilons, mm-hmm. presumably. So the idea was to, uh, in the chaos of war, you have this massive theft, you set up all of these grunts of this unit to die, and then you lay all the blame on them and all of the higher-ups escape, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Except for the unfortunate you know, twist of fate of Merrill Link surviving and you know, methodically killing all of these people to get revenge. So we see him start off as this like sort of asshole guy and sort of like Chirico, he slowly starts to uh, warm up, particularly as he spends more time with uh, Lulucy. And we find out that, um, you know, her family is involved with all of this mess because she's a a standard rich girl on the run. Mm -hmm. So we have some more fighting and as, you know, they're hunting down the last people. We find out that this whole time, Merrill Link has been used by Keek, who has uh, been secretly trying to eliminate these guys, and he's been letting Merrill Link do his work for him. Of course. But then betrays him, and then, of course, Merrill Link hunts him down and gives him the anti-AT rifle treatment right through the gut. <laughs> and this is all happening with the backdrop of a military base right as the war with the Ballarant starts up again. Man. So interesting timing with regards to that. But it's a happy ending for Marilink and Lulucy, relatively speaking, and that's the end of their participation in the Votoms world. So, Silver, what did you think of Marilink? Man, you're right when you say it's uh, very close to being a Western, man. I can get Django out of my head. I want to watch this because him hunting down every one of these guys and 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 doing uh doing his worst to them. Um, I, I, the fact that he's taken them on, he could he could choose to use a scope dog if he wanted to, but in order to honor his fellow fellow, fellow soldiers uh, that that fell and were used as patsies, he's going to take them out the way that he was pretty much uh, handicapped, and that's using that. Um, that bayonet man taking him to bayonet city every one of his targets man for running just a bayonet but a, a pile driving bayonet oh that's powered by um the same arm punch cartridge as a scope dog that weapon yeah. is gorgeous <laughs> it's a gorgeous killing machine oh my god just to see him work and the fact that he's just an average dude he's he's not there's nothing special about it. he's not like it's it's not like it's chirico where chirico has this untapped potential that he finds out about no merrill link is is just a guy and he's a guy who's fueled by revenge and uh, or looking to avenge his fellow man after they were played like pawns in uh in the sacrifice move and to see him you know get get the best of these guys sometimes by pure luck let's let's face it some of the times uh like when he faces off with Keek at the end of the uh, end of the series Keek had him dead to rights and if it wasn't for the uh the backdrop of the the Fireworks. war begin war starting he'd have been finished <laughs> God loves Marilink, but um, I, I, the particular scene that I loved in this was the fight in the castle. I, I, I like the fact that he uh, asked Lulucy, I was like, look, man, um, I'm, I'm going to need this castle. <laughs> 
I know it means a lot to you, and it's where you grew up, but uh, if we're going to survive this, I'm going to have to blow this place up. <laughs> and she says, you know what? That's fine. I got my memories. It's cool. And then he uh, goes to lock her up into the aircraft. But that fight in the castle was was very well orchestrated. I thought that was uh, one of the highlights of the series. Um, every, every, pretty much every, uh, fight, uh, all the set pieces were very well orchestrated and, and detailed. I, I, I like the creativity of the con- confrontations in this story and the backstory for Merrill Link we get in the middle of the, uh, middle of the series and going back to all the places that we already were familiar with from previous, uh, episodes of Votomes. It's just kind of like a nice victory lap through Votomes before Votomes, Votomes actually begins. So um, I really enjoyed this. I, I, I had a ball watching Merrill Link, and I'll pass it off to uh, you, Chris. You can go ahead and uh, the mic is back. The mic is yours. Neil, your thoughts on Merrill Link? Um, well, I mean, to be honest with you, the, the first thing you, you sit there and wonder, it's like, wow, how are they going to do a, um, a show without Chirico? But mm-hmm. after that first episode, you don't really have to worry about that anymore because, um, you know, you, uh, you know, they they go into what the story is, you know, you, you kind of know this guy's out for vengeance, you know, something happened with him and his, his friends and, and war and it, and it slowly develops. And it seems like every episode it's always, he's finding a little bit more. And, and it is kind of nice to see him, you know, use the anti AT rifle and, and some of the crazy uh, ways that he actually kind of saves himself <laughs> and, and, um, and actually, scores the kill because I, I just like the fact that pretty much he's just got that that finishing move that pile driving uh bayonet i mean and it, that thing's pretty nasty and it's it's nice too because you can see just like in all of these uh you know robot shows if you're small enough and you get close enough to the uh the mobile suit um or the you know the scope dog in this case Wow, you can cause some damage, and you can actually it's take the out the pilot. Too too small a target. Yeah, yeah, too small a target, and 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 of course too, it, it plays into the it plays into the narcissism of these of these guys is hunting down because you know they think that their shit don't stink. They survived all this, and oh, I'm I'm in a scope dog, and you just got this little anti AT rifle from you know a million years ago. What are you going to do against me? And you know, once that once that blood or mud is put across his face, when he puts it, he puts that five finger thing, you know, across oh, yes. his face, you know, it's on. I mean, it's like it's it's almost like when the Rock used to take off his elbow pad. You knew the you knew the people's elbow was being it was going to be taken out. That was pretty much his finishing move. And yeah, the castle the castle fight stands out. I also like the fight in the jungle where there's that yes, woman that's kind of like yeah, Kuman. Yes. And that was pretty. That was pretty cool. And especially when you're like, "Oh no, he's stuck in quicksand. How's he going to get out of this?" And uh, he gets out of it. And and then of course, like Chris stated, the the final battle where it's like, "Oh yeah, um, we see some Ballarat forces. They're starting to make a move out up above the planet." And then next thing you know, uh, everything oh, we're back to war, and everything's raining down <laughs> upon them. So n- n- nothing like nothing like a final uh, gun. Um, uh, you know, hand fist to fist combat while things are just dropping out of sky. Scope, dogs, bombs, missiles, uh, you know, debris. So definitely, uh, definitely a great way to cap it all off. And nice to see somebody finally um, getting kind of a happy ending of Otomes. Yes, you know, it almost always seems like yeah, there's 
you might win, but there's still some, you know, it's like, okay, Chirico won this battle, but who the hell is going to hunt him down this point or, you know, whatever. It's, it's like, okay, Merlink, he killed all these bastards. He's, He's small potatoes. The, anyone yeah. who cared about him is dead now. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was nice for him to just sit there and be like, you know what? Did did my thing. I'm out of here. I don't need to get in, you know, get involved in this battle. So they head on out. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely some really good stuff. And you can see there are parts of this where you could see OAF MS team in it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can see you can see the little the uh, the similarities and some of the um, some of the action and, and things like that. So, but back to you, Chris. Yeah, definitely there were some great battles in this series as you guys mentioned the mansion battle mm-hmm. um, the kuman yeah fight cool. with the the vila running around and this sort of like uh vila hunt hunting down people like they're animals yeah. uh, i also enjoyed the fight inside of the crashed spaceship oh, oh yeah oh, oh yes yeah <laughs> and also the uh the train battle was pretty nuts too that was cool yeah the train battle was really cool anytime you have a train battle it's cool yeah Train heist, i.e. battle, always good stuff. And I like that Merrillink, you know, he's got the skills to be able to step up to these robots with a rifle. And it's not overconfidence. Like, the dude has legit skills, but he's also just so fueled by his desire for vengeance. And what I also find interesting is, even in the flashbacks, when we see him, you know, in a standard um, scope dog jockey outfit never actually see him in a scope dog so yeah. we really have no clue of how good of a pilot he actually was that's true it's that's a complete true. mystery he could have been like a mediocre shitty pilot or he could have been top level we'll never know so i think yeah. it's kind of interesting that we don't because he's got the skills that counts to survive and it's like well if he's good it's sort of like master asia like mm-hmm. if he's good enough to take down robots without having to use a robot you don't even need to know what he could do with a robot. Yeah, he's just yeah, why, why Yeah, <laughs> the man's better on his feet than inside of a of a scope dog. I mean, the man, he purposely puts himself in the David the Goliath situation every episode. Yeah, and I gotta appreciate that. I do. I just just like okay, um, have it your way, man. I hope you live. <laughs> yeah, and for all of the scummy guys that he fought, like Snook and all these other assholes, mm-hmm. oh, it. Yeah was good that we also got to see him fight against Boyle, who is sort of like the honorable enemy. Yes. You know, a guy who's there just because of orders. He knows he's working for dirty guys, but he's too good of a soldier to do anything yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And he won him over. Romba Raw, good old yeah. soldier. <laughs> Play with me, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Show me that raffle. Nice. <laughs> so what I liked about this show is that it definitely expanded the world of Votomes, yeah. but also managed to tell a story that tied into the main series. You could just mm-hmm. watch this completely separate from the TV show, never having seen any Votomes before, and still get enjoyment out of it. Yes, absolutely. But there is that added element of, if you've seen the TV show, it's like, oh, so this ties in like this, and mm-hmm. these guys are related to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it really validates that, man, this is an effed up universe. <laughs> that too. Everyone sucks in this universe. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. They really do all suck. So <clears throat> and it what I thought was most important is it proved you can tell a story in this universe without Chirico. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's and I like that even I like that so much. 
That's the biggest. And, mm-hmm. and we do have some of that in the uh, most recent OVAs and a couple in two that don't have him at all, but this is the most that we don't see of him, so to speak. And I wish there was more because, you know, this is clearly a pretty well thought out universe that is very expansive and can do so much more than just tell his story, which by the end of next episode has been completely told. Yeah, Takahashi created a a very rich universe that more of these kind of stories could be told. I mean, it doesn't matter where they fall into the Votum's timeline. It's just, you know, you could just completely remove every character from Votum's and still do an interesting story in this universe. And I'd love to see more things like this. Yeah, but it's you fall into the same old trap, just like mm-hmm. you're doing all this stuff. Chiriko is such a beloved character yeah. that it, you know, it's to get all, away from him. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like it's yeah, you're gonna have people that are just gonna be like, yeah, it was good, but it didn't have Chiriko in it, and you know, you get that pressure. Yeah. You know, but by the Once same again, token, this is the business. Yeah. So by the same token, his story has been completely filled out. It's like, yeah. how many more times can we have some story that ends with Chirico like sadly walking off into the horizon by himself? <laughs> sadly walking off like the Hulk, yeah. you know? Cue, yes. Cue the piano. <laughs> like, there's only so many more times that we can do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we gonna have now? Like Chirico's like adventure eating a sandwich in the desert oh no someone stole fiana again (laughs) now chiriko has to fight him or fight for them to save her gotta gotta find some salt (laughs) 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 oh boy so So, let's do some ratings sobro your rating for Merrillink overall i really enjoyed this man i'm gonna have to give it five trips to bayonet city out of five all right neil oh i'd have to uh give this Four and a half um, uh, uh, rebel hunting excursions out of five. Because that was pretty funny. Those guys Ooh. sucked, oh. but it was kind of funny. We're like, Ha-ha, it's time to go hunting for Sevilla. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, my review average on the site came up to 3.75, which I will round up to four. Mm. Wines to be enjoyed after killing humans. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about five. that. That was awesome. Wines. <laughs> the douchebag. It was a good year. <laughs> Today was a good day. Oh, I even fired I'm sure head. he'd get along with, with Hannibal, you know, like, oh. oh, what's what's the best wine to have after killing somebody? <laughs> and oh. I'll be like, I'll show you. How did you kill them? <laughs> well, I just impaled them today. Well, uh, a Pinot Noir. <laughs> Fava beans are good too. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up now with the last part of tonight's roundup, which is the 1994 OVA series Shining Heresy. And for more than a decade, people thought that this was the end of Votom, that there would never be any more than this. Mm-hmm. So this five episode OVA is again directed by Takahashi, and it picks up after the end of the TV series. So we see that uh, Chiriko and Fiona have been floating around all this time in space, and then they get picked up and taken to this space station called Conplant, mm-hmm. and they get defrosted, and they're separated, and unfortunately Chiriko's kind of messed up because, you know, he's all atrophied and, you know, frozen up, so he's trying to well, get adjusted to I mean, moving around again. Exactly. So he uh, gets into conflict with this chick named uh, Titania Montwells, who he discovers to his surprise is a nextant. 
And this is the next evolution beyond the perfect soldier because, of course, technology has advanced in the time that he's been sleeping. And she basically is um, a cyborg enhancement to achieve the same performance as a perfect soldier, as evidenced by her doing a Maralink on him. <laughs> yeah. And taking him down while he's using a scope dog. So this series has a lot of uh, politics and religion mixed in because we see a lot of the machinations of the Church of Martial that has a lot of influence over both the Gilgamesh and the Ballarant. Mm-hmm. And Titania's father, Montwells, is manipulating events so that he can take over for the aging pope and be the pope himself. So I think it's kind of analogous to medieval European history where you had things like the Holy Roman Empire and you had the Catholic Church holding massive political power over all these various countries and kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And of course, his plans uh, basically go to shit because of Chirico. <laughs> because they make the mistake of holding Fiona captive. Don't do that. So Chirico, he meets up with this uh, doctor who helps him recover after some mortal injuries that, of course, would kill anybody else, but not Chirico. Mm-hmm. No. And together, they raid the church of Martial, which he does after customizing yet another scope dog. Of course. <laughs> and he kills tons of motherfuckers. <laughs> tons. I think tons. His, his, kill, his kill ratio on this one is just ridiculous. It's ridic- yes. Yeah, it is. And Titania learns the uh, the tragic truth of how it is that she came to be an extant Ooh. because she was run over by a truck. And it was thought to be a tragic accident, but not really because her dad set that all up so that he could turn her into uh, this cyborg nextant thing. And uh, yeah, basically he did that to her and it's all his fault. He robocopped her. Oh, basic. Oh. Yes, he robocopped his own daughter. So he's yeah. she, so he's Boddicker in this equation. <laughs> Damn. Or whatever happened in that Damn. new movie. So. Oh my god, dude! So yeah. so terrible. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's a dick, mm-hmm. and everything goes to shit for him. Yeah. And he eventually, uh, we find out later, basically he snaps and he yeah. loses it. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he is he is Pope, but he's crazy. Yeah, he's <laughs> and Pope nuts. Every, he uh, basically had a little pirate victory there. Mm. And unfortunately for Chirico, it's a pirate victory as well because he killed all of these bastards, uh, took down Titania and got her on his side, reaches Fiana just in time for her to die because, you know, lifespan, a perfect soldier, lack of jejerium, etc. And uh, yeah, she dies and he has her buried in space Back in their little capsule. Cue the Hulk music. Yeah, Bob, Cue the Hulk music. To be taken care of by Rochina, of all people, man. That guy. Yeah, it was now a crazy old man. No doubt. No doubt. Not as crazy as the Pope, though. At least he has some sense. No. <laughs> well, I mean, Not Rochino, as crazy as he used to be in his younger days. No doubt, yeah, right? <laughs> he, he, he realized you can't, can't F with Chirico. It's like, I've tried to. It's kind of funny. Like He's the voice of reason throughout this whole show. Like, yeah, you... <laughs> Chirico, you don't want to mess with this guy. <laughs> He's a force of nature. You can you cannot yeah. contain him. You cannot try to control him. Yeah, just 
move out of his way is the best thing you can do. Yeah, the Pope's yeah, trying to tell him. The, you're walking down the street on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. You see Chirico. You go. You gently cross the street <laughs> to the other side. You go down the other block, and then you just peek around the corner to make sure he's passed. Sweet. So. <laughs> yeah, the Pope tried to tell him, man. Tried to tell uh, uh, the the old Pope before he uh, before he stepped down. He was trying to say, don't go, don't go against the untouchable. He's called the untouchable for a reason. <laughs> we laid this prophecy out. Um, yeah, um, please, please don't do this. And uh, the guy could not, could not, uh, 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 Montwells could not listen to reason. And uh, he paid Power for it dearly. Power corrupts and idiocy reigns supreme. <laughs> no doubt. So. So. Who's, uh, who turns it to bat? Uh, I, I'll just, I'll touch upon this. I went into this with low expectations because uh, I heard it was really controversial in some ways. Um, but I actually ended up joining it uh, a, a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I, it is sad what happens to Fiona, um, knowing that the the lifespan of a PS. I totally forgot how short that lifespan was, and this definitely reminds you in a big way at the end. That perfect soldiers are not meant to be around for very long, um, and it was really sad to see her go. Um, Titania's character, she kind of annoyed me at first, but um, as the series went along, she did grow on me. And it's interesting to see that she ends up following Chirico at the end um, as he wanders through the desert and whatever desolate landscapes he's going to end up walking through. Um, and I, 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 I've seen screenshots all the, all the deserts and all the uninhabitable planets. I've seen screenshots of future OVAs, and I see that she's in them. So I, I'm glad to see that there'll be more to their story and, and hopefully... Um, there'll be a resolution to that story in the, in the upcoming OVAs, but I thought she was cool. And to see how she was played by her own father was pretty sickening. Um, I'm glad to see that she just pretty much wrote him off and he gets to pay for that for the rest of his life. So it was, it was a solid OVA. I thought it was good. All right. So yeah, this definitely has been a controversial OVA and I've heard rumors unsubstantiated over the years that it was meant to be 13 episodes and there were some kind of production problems so maybe that's a question for uh tim Tim eldred yeah absolutely but uh you know for what it is for just five episodes it manages to tell the story i think it's stout and it does expand the votom's world a bit more with this all of this stuff about uh the church of martial and you know the way that they have all of this influence over both the Gilgamesh and the Ballarant and seeing how this world has been changed by Chirico, who was dubbed, you know, the, the untouchable. <laughs> He's like a religious figure now because he killed God. <laughs> well, I guess that would kind of do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good, it's like check boxes here. Okay. Can't be killed. Check. Killed God. Check. <laughs> Hmm. Stay out of his way, check. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, unfortunately, everyone misses that last one. <laughs> pretty much. The only issue that I have with this OVA is it's okay. I, 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 I get its point and everything, but the fact that you watch, you know, the way I watched it was in the production order. You watch Merrillink first, and then you're thinking, wow, I really kind I almost had kind of a letdown. That was like, oh crap! But back to Chirico. It's like I kind of know his deal, and it's like you, you see the previous OVA, so you're like, wow, it'd be cool to see more guys like this and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, it, I, I had a little bit of a little bit of a tougher time getting back into this because it just, you know, um, it's like, okay, you know, I like Chirico, but I've seen his thing and I saw what can happen in this universe, and I was kind of wanting a little bit more of that. You know, not necessarily Merrillink, but some other guy like that. So. Um, that's my only downside. That and the Terminator vision. 
that kind of scared the hell out of me. I was, I was slowly clutch, clutching the tomes when that was going on. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so let's uh, wrap this up with ratings for Shining Heresy. Solbra, what do you give this? I gotta give this uh, four dope ass opening themes because this opening theme for this one, uh, this OVA was incredible. By the way, I, I actually find this to be my favorite opening theme from the whole Votum series. Um, a shout out to I, I don't I don't know it by name, but uh, every time I couldn't I couldn't stop. Uh, but l- I could help myself but listen to it every time I was watching this. Um, but yeah, four out of five, man. It was it was uh, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Neil, uh, I will give it five, or I'm sorry, four bad dads <laughs> out of five. <laughs> this is bad dad. Yes, I mean, or subplot of four bad 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 parenting out of five. Mm-hmm. So I will give this one. Uh, four wacky Rochinas out of five. <laughs> <laughs> or four Hulk walk-offs out of five. Well, I'll save that for some of the future ones because we still got, there's a couple of Hulk walk-offs coming up in the in the next episode. Nice. And, and, and an idea for people before we conclude this idea for uh, listeners out there, hmm, wouldn't mind seeing on, uh, on YouTube maybe just a collage uh, a compilation of Chirico walk-offs with the Hulk music oh dude that's that's my, that's my next bumper I'm gonna do that <laughs> do, 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 do. That, that, should, that should actually be our outro for the segment there you go pretty much it's already happening guys it's play al- us out it's already happening right now <laughs> Chirico just want left alone <laughs> I don't leave Chirico alone! <laughs> Smash! Fiona! He is kind of like that at some times, especially early, early Chirico. He's just like, Fiona! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Scope Dog Smash! Chirico, anime's Bill Bixby. <laughs> Either that, well, he's that, and he's also, uh, He's also anime's uh, exhibit of pimp, pimp my scope. Oh no doubt. I mean, how many times has he pimped his scope? He might. He, dog, heard you like missiles. <laughs> <laughs> he might be the greatest mechanic in all of the mecha mechanic in all of anime. That man. Well, I mean, he is a force of nature. So I mean, that's that's the thing. To give him his own show on DIY, man. <laughs> <laughs> that we will wrap up this segment part two of the Votomus Roundup and in the concluding segment next episode we will cover all of the remaining Votomus OVAs we'll be right back you're listening to Gundam at MHQ Robots are you talking about? The Gundam Robots, John! Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes Pretentious Internet Theater.
We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, The Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash gundammahq and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and about a year ago on Chaos Theater, we had a nice long interview with voice actor David Kay, where we discussed Transformers, Gundam Wing, Ratchet and Clank, a bunch of stuff. And some might have been left wondering, well, why the hell was this guy on Chaos Theater if they spent all this time talking about robots? <laughs> well, tonight we're going to rectify that with round two as we welcome David Kay to this show. So, thank you for joining us. Hello, 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 <laughs> hello. Thank you, thank you for having me, uh, having me back. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you the first time, and I'm sure it'll be the same this time. And also joining us, since Neo wasn't able to for this segment, is our booking man, our fixer, Dalo. Hello, everybody. It's hello, good Dalo. Back on the show. <laughs> thank you, Mr. K. So when we had you on Chaos Theater last year, you were teasing a major announcement that was coming up. And as it turned out, very soon after that, that announcement was the Ratchet & Clank feature film. So that is, glad uh, that we actually can, can discuss this now. We can talk about it, yeah. Yes. The veil is lifted. About, of course, the, the story. But the cool thing is, the cool thing is um, and I think the um, uh, Twitterverse went crazy when they realized that the... Uh, 
uh, the main cast is 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 you know will be in the feature film. That was a big. Uh, I was I guess that was a big to do. We're all very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Get that James Arnold Taylor, of course, is Ratchet. Um, I'll be uh, riding around in his back. His clank. Uh, Jim Ward uh, is just makes me laugh every time I hear him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that whole thing he does. Oh, Ratchet. <laughs> we all do each other's voice in this show. <laughs> the Jim Ward is, uh, is fantastic. Just yeah. you know, when I listen to anything he does, or just oh, listen yeah, to him do voices on the Stephanie Miller show. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Um, Kevin Michael Richards, of course, is uh, Chairman Dreck. Um, uh, Armin Shimmerman, uh, just a great. I worked with Armin on uh, some other stuff uh, in, of note, regular show, uh, and uh, we've had some great conversations. And I also, I worked with him on a uh, a series of, of shorts that uh, DC Nation shorts that show up. There's a bunch of them on the web, and oh, they, yeah. they run on, on Saturday mornings uh, from time to time, and they're kind of goofy, uh, <laughs> goofy. <laughs> things that are really quite fun and i worked with him on that uh michael bell as as lawrence uh, as dr nefarious the robotic of course we all love uh, uh of him uh and uh yeah um let's see uh, rainmaker entertainment and blockade entertainment and sony pictures are all involved in that and uh, uh our steam director tony baxter and um produced uh producer I brad foxhoven and david wall kelly uh, kylie ellis and uh my very good friend uh, T.J. Fixman, who is uh, who's writing on the show, and he's on Twitter. Um, and uh, it's just great to have uh, the band all together uh, and working on this film. Because it's like a 2015, October 2015, I think, is the release, the official release date. That that, that could change, uh, but that's what they're shooting for. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed that uh, everyone likes it. And, and um, it is... It's lots of fun, and it stays true to uh, the characters, and so uh, I, I think uh, I think people will be happy. Now, this uh, is probably going to be where the bulk of my questions lie. So, you know, what yes, I can, about this? I, can, I can do Clank. Yeah, I will do Clank for you. Absolutely. <laughs> the film will be an origin story that revels, retells the events of the original Ratchet and Clank. It's so there, so <laughs> there, yeah, that's out of the way. So now you uh, you can go. <laughs> Great. So what intrigued me about this movie was, you know, there have been plenty of video game based movies over the years, but I don't think there's ever been one where the actual studio, game studio, the developer is working on it with the original voice cast and the same team, the same creative team translating it directly to the screen. So um, how's that experience been for you so far doing voice work for a movie it's, it's, based on a game? It's great. Um I mean, I think Blockade and Rainmaker were, were relatively new to the uh, to the franchise, but it had such a long history. Um, I think TJ and and, and the crew Insomniac uh, were really you know wanting to uh, to stay stay true um, because what happens and as as a fan, as you know as well, when something translates to the big screen, uh, when you're sort of used to used to it a certain way, uh, I think that's why Game of Thrones is doing so well. It's very it's pretty. Close. There's some stuff, but but man, it's uh, you know if it's done well and and you keep close to the uh, to the original uh, you know, roots of the show, it, it has a has a better chance because uh, people will stay on board with you. I guess if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. I'm just glad they they were able to you know come to terms and uh, make sure the the product is what we've been doing the last uh, eight nine years on the on the, on the video games. So from your perspective as a voice actor, um, how is working on a movie different from working on a game? I imagine there's a lot less like background or incidental dialogue to do um no it's just uh 
in your mind, you're thinking, oh, we're doing a movie. Right, right. I mean, it, the performance has to be, you know, it, it, can't, it can't be, certainly it can't be awful. <laughs> if not, it has to be better. So everybody's kind of, you know, uh, focused on the fact that, oh, this is, this is a big deal. This is a feature film. This is just, you know, I, I want to keep um, doing the same thing I've been doing in the video games and just keep, keep the character and keep in my head space and make sure that I'm doing a good job and making everybody happy and getting the laughs and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but you, I just think of it as the character. Um, I, I don't think too much outside of when I'm recording. Mm-hmm. Not just uh, what the scenes, the scenes going on and what I'm doing. That's, that's what I'm, I'm concerned about. So you mentioned this is uh, going to be an origin story, so it's covering the, the same ground from the, the very first game back on PS2? I'm not sure. We we don't. It's not. You know. We can't really see any information on that. But right. it's. Uh, but I. You you will be very familiar um, with. Uh, you know. So nothing's going to kind of freak you out. Um, uh, sort of thing. Uh, so it, it will. Uh, you know. Delve into some of the. Uh, you know. Some of the history and stuff that we've been used to seeing. But uh, where it goes, I cannot say. Mm-hmm. I know how it ends. <laughs> this is this is uh, just a curiosity. Um, but uh, in the first game, Ratchet was not voiced by James Arnold Taylor. So what? Uh, Mikey if, if Kelly. Any information about that? Yeah. What, what was Mikey the reason Kelly. for the uh, the switch? I had no idea. Honest, uh, I, I really don't know. Um, I, it's funny because now I didn't know. Interestingly enough, because mm-hmm. I I had never met Ratchet. I didn't think I met who was doing. I did, when I met James Arnold Taylor, I didn't really realize that he wasn't doing it all along until we first met and that was only maybe a couple of years ago <laughs> to it, it uh, we finally actually met because when we go to record these things sometimes i go in in the morning or he's in the afternoon or right um we just our paths uh, never cross we you know our paths had crossed sort of out in the the world of you know the entertainment industry or whatever but i never really worked i didn't really know who was was um was voicing the character i wasn't quite familiar um and it was, so that's quite, kind of quite funny that I, and then I realized they told me that it was uh, Mikey Kelly that was doing it originally. I go, oh, okay. Well, I, we did that uh, first set of games over at Warner Brothers uh, Studio back in the beginning. And uh, yeah, so now, now I know who I'm working with, finally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I did the Inuyasha series for seven, eight years of that. I was at a convention, I believe it was in Toronto, and we're in a van, and, and Michael Dobson, a friend of mine who I uh, knew up in Vancouver, was with me, and we were joking around, and, and I said, who's, uh, who's, the, who's the girl? He goes, well, that, that's Kagomi. I go, oh, I, I didn't know who she, who she was. <laughs> why, is she getting in our, why, why is she getting in our van? I, I didn't, because we never met. <laughs> who's, who's the chick? Oh, that's, oh. Yeah. So it was kind of embarrassing, but sometimes you just don't see people. So it's uh, always fun to, to, to work with them in, in the studio. I imagine you're not the only one who's in that situation many times. No, no, it's just the nature of the beast. And on feature films, like when I did the movie, uh, it was a couple of films. It was Ant Bully and a couple other ones and, and Up. You you do them because of, of everybody's schedule. You do them alone in the studio with you know the director reading the lines to you from in the glass. So every once in a while, you're in there with somebody else. But for a feature film based on everybody's schedules and all that sort of thing. You act 
you know, with no one else there except just the director. So probably to wrap up Ratchet and Clank and move on to other questions from my other hosts here, um, you know, one of the things I love most about Ratchet and Clank playing it since the beginning is just the fun and, and the joy of it. So compared to some of the more serious characters you've played like Trey's or the various Megatrons, uh, what is it that you like about Clank as a character? He's like a child. Everything is new to him, but he's really, really smart. <laughs> Something that I'm really, really not. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's like a, it's sort of like, you know, a, a child who's sort of discovering things sometimes for the first time. And, and um, it's hard because he is a, a robot, per se, but, and he can't have too much of a personality, but he has to have just enough to make him interesting. So that was kind of the fine line. I've always tried to, to walk with him, to make him lovable, but um, we still realize that he is, you know, artificial intelligence sort of thing. Kind of like Data on Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, very, very, yes. So with his very distinctive voice, um, how did that come about? Were, were you told, uh, given notes on what sort of a voice to do, no, or just throw it out the- and say, hey, listen to this? It was a couple of directorial notes. Uh, it was quite a long time ago that I got the notes. It was a paragraph. That was it. Uh, as a robot, but we don't want to sound like a robot. We want, you know, there's a very slow, and there was a, you know, stuff. And I kind of just started talking. And so I, I, I did not contract the letters instead of, you know, if the word was let's, let us, let us now go. You know, I, I didn't, I wanted to sort of make sure that uh, he, he had a bit of personality, but you could still tell he was a robot. Um, so it's just basically one of those things where I st- opened my mouth and started talking. You know, other times I'll work and, and I, I figured, oh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, and other times you read something and you, you, you study and uh, trying to mimic a voice and uh, you think, oh my god, uh, yeah, I really did something there. I worked in it, and um, you never get a, even a callback. So you just never know. Well, I am going to uh, take a back seat now since uh, spoke to you at length in the previous interview. So, Solbro, why don't you hit us with some questions? Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, you had mentioned earlier um, about the fact that the band is getting back together, which I was glad to hear because I, I think too many times when feature feature films, uh, feature animated films get uh, picked up, especially if they're based, based on properties, they'll change out the cast for, like, huge Hollywood actors. And yeah, it kind of robs the nature. Of, that's the mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry. Oh no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Right, that's that's the nature of the beast. That's mm-hmm. the nature of the beast in this business. That's you know it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. if it's between me and Brad Pitt, normally oh, oh, oh. it's Brad Pitt. You know, what I'm talking. It, yeah. It's just because they don't know who the hell I am, really. I mean, uh, uh, but uh, that's just sort of the the deal. Yeah, but I, 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 your voice though is is I mean compared to Brad Pitt, where it just sounds like a guy talking. Um, well, for, for you know, if, if, you do, if mm-hmm. you're doing it, it depends what they're what they're casting, what they're doing. If you know, yeah. if they're casting uh, uh, for a, a major motion uh, or major f- uh, feature animated film with the if uh, the prince, well, you know, it's going to be a major. It, they're going to have they're going to want to go with some kind of celebrity to really help sell the film. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, we're lucky on, on these sort of things. Uh, the video game, uh, course industry has, it's like doing a cartoon now anymore. That's when you true. go in, it, it's, it's a, people expect there to be a half decent cast or, or, or actors to be able to sort of pull that sort of stuff off. And, and people get used to those characters in, in the, on the video game platforms and it, they don't care who it is. They just want to hear the guy or the girl. Yeah, uh, it's Jen Hale. They want to hear Jen Hale doing, you know, doing the voice of the female. Who is? They don't want to hear uh, somebody else. They get really pissed off at that. Um, so it's. Uh, I, I think the folks who who play who are gamers, um, 
appreciate that. They really couldn't, you know, give a rat's if it was, <laughs> you know, Brad Pitt. They just, no, give me the guy who was the character on the thing. I want to hear his voice, you know, because right. it, it kind of takes you out. It's part of the connection and it's part yeah, of the when you go see a film, you want to be taken out of yourself. You don't want to be aware. You don't want to, wait, wait a minute, what's, is, who's that? You, you don't, you want to be in, involved in the, the film sort of thing. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Uh, and noticing that in this, in 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 uh, Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank, the movie that they casted, everybody who was already had become famous for playing those characters' voices was was a huge nod. I, I'm so glad that they did that. Um, I also noticed that, of course, in in Wreck-It Ralph as well. They got a lot of the uh, voice actors back to play those video game characters initially love, as well. Love that movie. Yes, that was my favorite. <laughs> Animated films of all I, I thought that were that, that was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. I went there. I was I was delighted to hear all the voices that I already come to know. Yeah. And um, there's not a lot of uh, animated films that I'll go. Yeah, I want to see that again. That one I could watch two or three times or more. Same, yeah. same here. I'm a, a <laughs> The great, I'm just saying, like, the great, I've been hearing this a lot, but uh, I think it's very true that it's basically going to go down in this generation as uh, this generation's Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I second that. I second that. Um, I've got to say uh, to you, uh, to to me, uh, you're you're one of my favorite voice actors of all time. Um, I'm gonna dig into crates a little bit. Uh, every time I play Kim Capuan in King of Fighters, I think of your your oh performance God. of him. That's one of my favorite characters, so I had to give a nod uh, to you on that one. Um, every when I hear you talking right now, I think I'm watching Ronin Warriors. <laughs> Wow. There's a blast up from the past. Is it Throwback Thursday yet? Exactly. No, it's Tuesday. It's Throwback Tuesday. Throwback. True. It's Throwback Tuesday. Uh, Ronan Warriors. Ronan, but you were the narrator in that, and uh, you, weren't you also the voice of the? Uh, I think he was the ancient. Too, you were the right? ancient one, right? The ancient. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm about to fall out of my chair. Hey, hey Sobro, I'll see. I'll, how did that? Talk about Throwback. I'll see your Ronan Warriors, and I'll raise you an. Exo Squad. How's oh that for Exo I played Hallett's in Exo Squad, directed <laughs> by Gordon Hunt. We had to do this nondescript accent for that show, and oh, I was wow. new to cartoons at that mm-hmm. time. I think it's my second, first or second series, and Gordon Hunt uh, used to come up to Vancouver, work the Ocean Group, and direct us. Yeah. At um, on that on that show. And I was so new, I didn't even know who he was. I, I didn't realize, I found out he was, wait a minute, you're Helen Hunt's dad? Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> um, I was just so, I never ask any questions. Um, mm-hmm. I don't ask a lot of questions, still, I don't. That's, I don't know if that's good or bad. I just show up. Um, but Ronan, yeah, uh, Exo Squad. Um, who else? Uh, Vince Pellegrino? Mm-hmm. Vince Pellegrino. <laughs> uh, H- Hollis, and there was some other couple of characters. Dr- Draconis, I think it was? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yes. Man, that's uh, I have that on laser discs somewhere. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Good luck finding the player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good luck. Good luck finding those uh, those uh, copies. Those things are out of print gonna, now. Wow. Exactly. Time Not that it's going to do me any good, you know, to uh, have a laser disc. But there it is. Well, um, I, 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 aside from Trey's, which is probably the uh, the other favorite voice of mine that you have done, um, I've got to give it up to you for uh, Son Tendo, Mister Tendo on um. Rama half to me that even though it's an early dub um to me is one of the funniest dubs i've ever heard and your, <laughs> your performance as mr tendo kills me every time he's crying <laughs> yeah. and, and delivering gold i just I, I just i have to take my i'm crying right now just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> akane nabiki i'm waiting for this day 
I'm always crying. What is it with me anyway? I can't get my tears back. <laughs> it's kind of almost like uh, Thurston Howell and Gilligan's. I just got it. It's almost on the verge. Yes. Yeah, it's almost, almost, almost goes that way. So, what, didn't you show one of the like a rom like one of the Ramas to your uh, to your audience recently? Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, we we watched it in uh, English, of course, and we we uh, we did a commentary on it, and it was phenomenal. Um, just listening to all the voice actors and and the performances. If people always ask us, "What do you watch it in English?" Just like, man, just just watch. Just watch. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's many reasons for that. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yes, uh, thank you very much. I I I I I, uh, I bow to you. Um, I gotta I've gotta ask you. <laughs> I gotta ask you about Commissioner Gordon. Um, you you uh, have taken up the mantle on that character in the Gotham. Uh, in the, sorry, the Arkham. Uh, the Arkham City games, or the or the Arkham games, I would say. Yeah, just I think it was just a uh, one or two of them. Um, the 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 newest one now, uh, Arkham Knight, features uh, some oh. good friends of mine who were mm-hmm. freaking awesome. It's uh, Roger Craig Smith. And, mm-hmm. uh, His Roger Craig Smith, uh, Roger Craig Smith as Batman was amazing. Yeah, yes. he's. I, I work with. As a side, I work with him on, on the Avengers Assemble series, and um, he's he plays Captain America. And working with Roger and and Freddie Tattashore and, uh, and and that group is. Um, Oh, it, it's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of laughter <laughs> that goes on <laughs> in those shows, and I, I look through the glass, and there's you know a lot of Marvel people in there, and the directors, and they're I don't know if they're they're enjoying it or or not because we we get in there and can't stop laughing, and uh, it's so much fun to work with that. But uh, that, that but the, but Roger and the group they're on uh, the newest uh, and tre- Trevor mm-hmm. um, uh, is on the newest. Uh, game right that just come out yes the um well i know the um Ar- yeah arkham city or no arkham origins yeah that's the latest one that's come out and then the new one that's coming arkham out knight. is arkham knight that which is right. still in development but uh, on yeah its, but on that's releasing way. i think as early as like october this year yeah yeah it's right around the yeah. corner yeah so mm-hmm. well <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't hijack all the time but i do want to ask you uh one last thing, and it's about uh, and this will probably double as a question from uh, our missing co-host Neo. Um, you were on Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the orange jacket. Yes, <laughs> you played uh, James McManus, and he was one of James the James McManus. Uh, yeah, th- uh, that was um, a lot of fun to mm-hmm. do that show. I I haven't done a lot uh, since. There've been a few things, small movies and things that I've done since then, uh, mm-hmm. because the voiceover world's taken over my, my life and I, I love it. I love every, every day of it. Uh, I, I do think about getting back in front of the camera, but only if it's with good friends and, and, uh, there's a few things I'm working on They're friends and I know I'd have a lot of fun and, and, uh, and I could relax. Um, but that was a cool thing for me because I grew up with the original show and oh, I got yeah. to meet the original Starbuck. I worked with he was oh. on he was on that on that episode on a couple episodes. I was I was there. Oh, Dirk Benedict. Oh my. Uh, was it uh, who was it? Not Starbuck. Who? Um, no, who was the other one? Uh, oh, Apollo. 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 Yeah. Apollo. Yes, all Korea worked with the original Apollo on that. Um, and uh, the actor who played he was the English actor who played the. Um, the, the bad guy who had the the, the sexy blonde girlfriend. What's oh, his name? Oh my gosh, I, I forget his name. The the doctor though. I know you're talking about. Yes. Mm. No, it's terrible. I have a bad uh, bad with names. Me too. But he was a, <laughs> he was a riot. I mean, mm. it was just hanging on on that set was so much fun. Mm. And um, I guess we all got blown up. Oh so. dang it! Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be a Cylon. 
My agent calls, say, hey, so they like you for uh, Battlestar. And that's why agents talk. So they like you for Battlestar. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, God, awesome. I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm going to get makeup and it's going to be cool. He goes, so they, they want you to do the, the, the report. And I went, oh, 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 okay. Uh, sure. No, no, it'll be great. You know, eh. so uh, I got a chance to play a lot of reporters in my day on, on camera. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, I have that reporter voice and I can do that on, on camera. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I got, I had a lot of fun. So, uh, no complaints. I just wish I had cooler hair and a better jacket. That's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed your performance. And, um, other than coming back to me to, to ask some questions, uh, from some of our listeners, I'll, I'll turn it over to Dalo. Okay. Um, one of my first questions that I have, and I'm surprised you didn't pick up, uh, didn't say this so bro, cause I know you were wa- interested in it, which was, one of the things we didn't ask on Chaos Theater that kind of that I regretted mm-hmm. was not asking you about like uh, uh, Professor Xavier on X Yes, yeah, I did want to bring that up, but uh, yes, I wish we had the outtakes from that show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ah, Storm, come in, come sit on Daddy's lap. <laughs> so, I mean, we didn't see him. Um, yeah, we had. There's a lot. There's a lot of outtakes on that show. <laughs> I wish we. I wish that that tape existed. Uh, we had we had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I imagine so. I imagine so because that's the first time. Actually, I, I must say, I work. I think I worked with uh, Matt Youngberg, who is a good friend of mine now, and I worked with Matt on on Transformers. That was the first time. I think he was brought on with. Uh, um, uh, he worked on that show, one of the earliest shows that, that I'd met Matt on. That mm. I think it was. Uh, yeah, X Men Evolution, and ended up working with Matt later on Transformers Animated. Nice. Uh, so that, uh, it was, it was kind of a cool, cool thing, but that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just curious because of the, because okay. with that, I remember when I had been, I remembered and I'm going to date myself. I actually watched the broadcast of the show. And as I was watching it, I was like, why do these characters sound so familiar? Wait a minute. I, that's when I realized I, I was listening to anime, anime characters in my X-Men show. Yeah. So, Dello, if you think you're eight, if you're dating yourself, I watched Exo Squad during the original broadcast. So let's, let's not talk about dating ourselves. <laughs> well, you're, you're a different age than me. Oh, <laughs> that's right. So you're not me, but I understand, but I can at least share that with you, Chris, because I at least know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but in any case, like I said, um, I just wanted to know, like playing an iconic character like Professor Etz, for example, was it hard to get into Professor Etz? I imagine it might have been slightly easier. No, because- I, I, all I said was I remember the callback, and uh, Carl Wilms uh, said to me, um, I think it was Carl. Uh, I was done at the Ocean Group, I think, mm-hmm. up there. And I said, oh, they're really, they're really big fans of, of Patrick Stewart. And I go, oh, <laughs> well, so I, you know, I just did this sort of thing. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. Uh, uh, Stole. Uh, no, come here. Uh, and I, I just did that sort of uh, that deal. Okay. In that case, if you had all those outtakes, I'm kind of curious. Since this was done at the Ocean Group, technically this isn't prelay as far as I know. So I went to. So I did. You record like uh, in the same booth with people, or you mean I mean the show? Oh, it was prelay. Yeah, it was all prelay. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was a Marvel show. They came up here. Um, um, oh, what was his name? I can't remember the guy's name. Um, yeah, it was. It was done up there. It was a Marvel thing, and uh, yeah, they, I, I can't remember where it was animated. 
overseas, oh. I think, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I was just wondering. I I asked because like uh, that's one of the few times where, and I had a laugh with Solbro about this. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that it's if you really think about it, we're not all hot on like some of Marvel's productions. They're pretty cool. Like yeah. Avengers Assemble, for example, mm-hmm. but we always did laugh at the fact that it was a Marvel production uh, that was a that was done as a Warner Brothers animated animated show. Yeah, which of now under, under, the, under the Disney uh, thing now, and uh, yeah, they which have is why un- we laugh at it now. <laughs> unlimited supply of everything. Oh my you know? gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that well will never go dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my other question is, and this one's actually something that came up from Twitter, but only because I was a little curious about it, which is, what's it like to be working between two different uh, different groups of voice actors since you were at one point at the Vancouver, uh, Canada, and then you moved down to L.A.? What's What, what made you well, decide to make the change, and well, uh, it was, what's it, it like? A- What's it like being in L.A. as opposed to Vancouver? Uh, it was a career choice. I got busy down here. I was uh, doing a lot of uh, commuting for almost 10 years on airplanes, back and forth and back and forth. The good news is it was only a two-and-a-half-hour flight, but it's still a flight. And it's still, you know, when you travel in airplanes, it's a microcosm of... Uh, how evil humanity can be and oh how wonderful gosh, they can be. Yeah, uh, it's, it gets it's, worse every year. Yeah, flying is like the internet in a tube. There's uh, <laughs> some really great things and some really, you know, pain in the neck. So it became busier. And I, I and in 2007 or eight, I guess it was, uh, I was uh, hired as uh, Surprise Optimus Prime uh, in the, the, newest, the latest, you know, the Transformer animated series. Mm-hmm. And... I had to make a decision, and at the time, I almost landed another series. Um, so I thought, "Oh boy, this is this is getting kind of getting kind of hectic. It's getting kind of hectic." So I had to bring up that uh, discussion with with my wife. And when you have two uh, young children who are ensconced in school and their own community, and that's all they know, and you rip them out of that uh, that comfort zone and take them away to some place. To, to me, uh, Los Angeles has always been a second home. Anyway, um, I, I some I, I dig it down here. I. Um, I, I, I like it more than I thought I would, uh, to be honest. And uh, it was a career choice because for what I went in my career, it's a personal thing with people. It's not a generalization thing. It worked out great for me. I had a, a stable of radio and television clients and affiliates and had a lot of work already down here. It was just a matter of you know getting the official paperwork done. And since that time, since the move down to Los Angeles from Vancouver, for, for me, my personal thing, it's been the best move I've ever made ever. Never, you know, never questioned, uh, you know, kids are doing great. Everyone's happy. Uh, my wife's happy. I have great friends who live in a great neighborhood. Um, I mean, you know, T Strong, Tara Strong, just over here. She's my neighbor, and she's one of the people who were, who said, you got to be down here. you got to move down here. She's a fellow uh, Canadian as well. She, she, you know, grew up in Toronto, and uh, she moved down here a long time ago. Jamie Thomason once told me after a session, uh, did Mysterio for him in the video game. Uh, I think it was one of the Spider-Man ones. And he said, you should have been down here 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, you know, yeah. But but it's not my, that was not my journey. My journey, I came down here because I was ready. And, you know, uh, when you come with a family, that has a whole other thing. If you come by yourself, hey, you can hang out and have done where you go, you know, whatever. But when you have a family and you have a lot of responsibility, you know, and you got to buy a house and you got to move, it's a big thing. So, um what my journey was to come when I came, and I'm glad I I did. Uh, I've and it's been tons of fun and opportunities every day. And my career, funny enough, this sort of keeps going and, and growing. Um, and that's a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm in this for longevity. I want to be the Rolling Stones. I don't want to be you know 
uh, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Girl, you know it's true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, here's, here's hoping one day when we're on the 35th Transformers cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's still something. Still, you know, let me tell you something. And they still, if there's a, if a, 30, if it's a film, they're on the 35th feature film, they still won't hire me. <laughs> oh, 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 dang it. <laughs> sad, part, sad part is that's probably true. Oh, yeah, man. that's hey, right. If they won't hire Frank Welker, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Frank, isn't Frank, should, Frank bloody well should be working on that show. He, he's, he he's should, I wish. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's got it. Yeah. If there's anyone. You know, Peter's phenomenal. I mean, Peter is phenomenal um, in, in that role. It's just, uh, he lives in the neighborhood. I've seen him around here somewhere. He's oh, somewhere. man. Around. Peter? Oh, my goodness. I, yeah, I, we, all work, we all work together, Frank, Peter, and I, mm-hmm. in the Transformers, in the TF Prime, that, that yes. series. Uh, when I played that Insecticon. So that's the first time all three of us had been in that in a show, the Transformers franchise show together. And it was kind of neat. It was cool for me. I, I was kind of geeking out a bit. It was fantastic. Yeah, then you do another too. show, and you throw in yeah. Gary Chalk, and it's just a complete uh, oh reunion goodness. of the generations. Oh, good. Yeah. Hey, come on, we'll go to the museum. I know everything in there. Yeah, see that over there? That's a mummy, two thousand five hundred years old. Oh my god. Yeah. I know that stuff. <laughs> I know we're pressing up on. <laughs> huh? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I know we're pressing no, up on time. Um, I go do, ahead, Sobro. I do uh, want to ask um, a question. Uh, one question from one of the uh, the listeners that was submitted. Um, sh- um, shout outs to Kyle, aka Highest Metal, on Twitter. He asks, and this will bring it back to uh, Gundam. What was it like playing one of the greatest Gundam villains of all time? I guess he's referring to Trey's. Ah, uh, yes. Um, let's see, Trey's. Um, that was, uh, again, uh, I didn't really know who else was in the show cause we, they bring us in separately. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember getting the first script. I remember this, I thought, Oh, this is going to be kind of cool. And I, 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 I remember the character. He's, he's kind of never really got excited and he was down in here. Uh, and, uh, and the first script was, I think 898 pages or something ridiculous. It, it was a, it was a, like a tome. And, uh, because, um, in, in anime, uh, when you, you only do your lines. So, okay, okay, go to page 10. All right, do your line. All right, let's jump to page 483. You have a couple lines there. And you're, you know, you never really get a chance to sort of read the thing because it's so big you, you couldn't anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I just knew it was, a, it was a big deal. I knew the toys. I, I knew um, some of the characters just for being a toy fan and stuff. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. It was just it, it was it seemed it seemed cool to me. So I was really happy to be taking part in it and working with the folks at Ocean Group and Carl. And it was always a good laugh, uh, you know, to go in there and do that. I, there's a one of the uh, I think there's the uh, uh, there was a, a there's a couple of speeches I remember he had. It was kind of fun to do. Uh, I, I know one of the lines is uh, uh, "God would approve the steps we're taking." I think. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's so <Yes>. smooth. Classic. <laughs> Duke Dermale, I'm sorry, but I cannot support the Romfeller Foundation in the past. Tradition is a history. It's a history of caring built by deep, true feelings of people. I do believe that fighting in battles can at times be beautiful. But at the same time, I'd like to express my regret over the lost souls by appealing to you to recognize how priceless man's life is. Something like that. In our community, it's like uh, quoting, saying those speeches is like quoting Shakespeare. That's right, it is, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is a yeah. great, one of many Trace's many great scenes. I think oh. one of my favorites, which incidentally is one of Trace's last scenes, is uh, when he asks Lady Un for the, uh, 
the casualty reports of yes. all of the people who have died up to this point because of him, and you say, oh, you'll have to tell me the names later on so I can remember them. Oh, God, yeah. One of, the great, one of the greater, one of the better lines, in my opinion, is the one before that, where he basically, <laughs> where he basically under completely undermines what, what was it? What was the guy's name? Uh, Wu Fei. There we go. Oh yeah. Where he, where he was basically chewing out trays, and then he says, as a matter of fact, I know exactly how many people have died under my, <laughs> under my uh, command. <laughs> Wu Fei forever the whipping boy. I remember that. Yeah, I vaguely remember that stuff. It's uh. Fourteen years ago now. That's oh, since yeah. that aired. Wow. Long ago. Long time. Oh. Uh, sure. Time does go by, as it does in this interview, and we don't want to uh, hold you up. But uh, aside from Arkham Knight and the Ratchet and Clank movie, are there any uh, current projects that people should be listening to you on? Yeah, there's a, we just finished, uh, I did some singing yesterday um, uh, in a, uh, a cute little movie. It's very for young kids. Uh, it's uh, called The Hero of Color City. Christina Ricci in it, is in it, uh, Rosie Perez. Myself, uh, I play the black crayon, <laughs> and um, he's just woe is me, kind of like an Eeyore character. Oh, we're all going to die! You know, it has a a very dark outlook on the world. Um, quite fun to play, and I got a chance to sing yesterday a little bit, and that's uh, October. Uh, October this year is going to be released, uh, and uh, of course, uh, let's see. Uh, I, I can never remember what so it's happening. Oh yes, yes, of course. Um, on ABC, uh, coming in July, it's the premiere of uh, a new series called The Quest. And people are quite excited about it. It's a cross between Dungeons & Dragons and Survivor, or the great, uh, the amazing race, the, the producers. I work, get a chance to work with the executive producer who did the Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I basically narrate and play the wizard that you don't, you don't, uh, you don't see. Uh, I do a few of the voices in the, uh, in the, it's a live action show. But it's very, the quest is coming this, this July to ABC. So you'll hear the, and voice. So that's uh, another show we're working on. Um, and, uh, let's see. Gosh, uh, I keep forgetting all this stuff is coming. The Marvel, uh, that we're doing more Avengers Assemble. And there's a live action Mar, uh, Avengers, uh, it, it, it coming, what is it? It's, I can't remember what they call it. It's a sort of a, it's, you go to a, a, a big arena. Yes. And it's like walking with dinosaurs, but it's all Avengers characters and they mm-hmm. fight heroes. There's like giant robots and it's all smoke and mirrors and acrobats and special effects. And I, I'm, of course, Jarvis on the, on the series. Um, Adrian Pastar is uh, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear my voice if you come into the, to the arena, you'll hear. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, in my Jarvis voice. Please take a seat. Uh, the show will begin in five. And I'm, you know, do that. So there's, there's a bunch of different things out there. Sort of every day I'm doing stuff that's all over the map. Um, uh, hey, why don't you uh, plug any uh, web stuff you want? Web stuff? Well, there's always the, my website at davidk.com. Uh, you can follow me or um, uh, a tweet at, on Twitter at uh, D-K-A-Y-E-V-O, D-K-V-O. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, on Facebook, uh, my K-Man Productions USA. I think it's uh, the fan site. I can't remember which one that is. But there's, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a bunch of different stuff that's happening that I can't talk about. There's some sure. games that I'm involved with, and um, they're not. There's three or four games that are, are involved with right now that have just got going. And uh, on every daily basis, I'm always doing stuff, you know, promo and trailer for network television and stuff. So I'm, you know, it's just a a fun. 
a fun go-round. Well, it's definitely been a fun go-around speaking with you again about your various projects. So thank you very much again for your time. We greatly appreciate it. David Kay, folks. Oh, thanks for asking. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. long ago in a basement far away there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls warranted and unwarranted is it him against gundam sea destiny it appears destiny is firmly on my side what? there stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy Something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool. End of discussion! Debate is over, you will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology! You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can Get me... Get used to it, it's the way of the world! If you're so hot on discipline, then Gun- damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You're listening to episode 144, where we sat down and we knocked out another rung of our Votomes Roundup. We sat down and we actually uh, discussed all of the OVAs that came out in the 1980s and the 90s as well. And uh, we had a good time. But also in the second segment, man, um, we were, we were, we were uh, gifted with another interview. Uh, well, MAHQ's second interview with uh, <laughs> David Kay. And um, if you want to run back his previous interview on um, Chaos Theater, go back and listen to episode 48 of Chaos Theater. If you didn't listen to the first interview, I highly suggest you go and do so. Uh, and then and then grade rich interviews better to start a rivalry <laughs> between both shows. No, this this seems hey, more... Chaos Theater. Goddamn, did a better interview with David Cage. No, no, they did. <laughs> no, this one seems more like a, more like a, a companion piece. To that interview. Given that I led both interviews, that's yes. kind of a hard argument to make. <laughs> that would be kind of funny, though. Like, <laughs> I like the I like the Chaos Theater better than the goddamn one. Freaking the interviewer asked better questions, huh? <laughs> but well, it's people on the internet, so they may do that. You know, well, well, internet, I got a surprise for you. 
but yes, uh, uh, many thanks. Did you to- get? Did you get him? To, did you get him to do the drop saying like, "I'm sure God would understand you listening to Gundam and MHQ." He did a drop for us, man. The people were here. Yeah, did he do, he do the trays? No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do trays. Oh, sadly, you but bastard. How he, did you not get that? Oh, because he did. He did trays for Chaos Theater. He did trays for Chaos Theater. So, so what? He did Professor X for us. So, nah. oh man, it was. It, Why did he go and ruin the surprise? Oh my god. <laughs> My. Yeah, way to go, Solbro. You know what kills me is Solbro hey. is Mister. Like, don't don't tell me any spoilers about this show. And this bastard spoils crap like this all the time. They've already the heard it by now in the show. We're at the, I, 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 we're I, at the I, end. I, <laughs> yeah, but Neo hasn't heard this as we're recording. I'm a yeah, dick. I wasn't there. I'm a dick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. But let, let me let me say it was fantastic. And um, many thanks to Mister K for joining us this episode. Please follow him on Twitter. At D K A Y E V O, and um, and let them know that you enjoyed hearing them on Gundam at MHQ. But uh, any uh, anything you guys wanted to remind uh, the listeners about, or let the listeners know before we part ways? Well, I will always say you do need the uniform of the Robot Apocalypse, mm-hmm. the official Gundam at MHQ T-shirt. Hell yeah. yes, they're only eighteen dollars US, so that's pretty good, especially with the exchange rates going on if you're overseas. So that's a pretty good deal. And uh, just email me with all the specs uh, at GundamMHQStore at gmail.com. Solbro, has you been able to put that page up yet on the Gundam.net website? You no, know, I'm going to make a page so that people know about it and it will it'll Sounds evolve good. from there. Yes. <laughs> and, and if this episode gets released and Solbro hasn't done it, Give him encouragement via email yes. at sbrmhq.com, even though he probably won't read it till three months from now. So then, then there use you go. Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, 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 or go on to his various live streamings of Soulbro cooking eggs. <laughs> One of Soul these Bro days. taking a dump. That, that's what it's going to end up being. It's oh, just going to. That's the dream. It's, it's going to be the Soulbro show. There's, there's Soulbro picking some uh, Toll House cookies. Hey, the, there are people that do that, man. I don't think I, I would. Uh, I Why would, you would want to watch that? Do that. I, I don't know. Indeed. But, hey, Indeed. Soul Bros Hamburger Hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. With bonus young Asian boys. And, and always, and always help. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Brought to you by A1. <laughs> so watch Soul Bro being served hamburgers by young Asian boys. Oh, and airplane shirts. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Soul Bro. This, this is what the Bernie Burger. This is the Bernie Burger. It's a half a pound of chopped sirloin, <laughs> char grilled, <laughs> char on an open zaku. I mean, uh, open grill. <laughs> Don't mind the bits of clothing. <laughs> Just think of that as seasoning. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and if you bite into the burger and you get the Xeon insignia, you win a prize. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those. Uh, those king cakes at Mardi Gras when you get the baby, oh. the, you know that's the good thing. Oh. It's the Bernie Burger is you, if you get the Zeon Pilot insignia. Oh. <laughs> wow, God, that is so oh. gross. I, 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 oh God, you just killed a, the show. It's, it's a metal, it's burned. a metal freaking thing, man. You just, you, oh, I'm going away now. Well, we can't top that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, please, all uh, the Bernie. 
definitely reach out to Neil at GundamMAHQStore at gmail.com and um, let him know that you're interested in getting a shirt. He'll be glad to send you guys one. And um, th- many thanks for you guys listening. And when you have the time, please check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens, MAHQ.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube and YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash shinstation and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for Gundam at MAHQ. We'll be back next time for more mecha action. Peace. Colony 196, a year has passed in peace. However, a new enemy threatens to tip the balance of power, bringing the colonies to the brink of war once again. Called into action, the Gundam pilots must fight for peace one last time. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Father, I wish to confess. I wish to confess. You wish to confess? I saved you. I saved the city and all your worthless lives. I should have let Stannis kill you all. Tyrion! Do you wish to confess? Yes. Father, I'm guilty. Guilty. Is 
that what you want to hear? You admit you poisoned the... No. Of that I'm innocent. I'm guilty of a far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. You are not on trial for being a dwarf. Oh, yes I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. Have you nothing to say in your defense? Nothing but this. I did not do it. I did not kill... But I wish that I had. Watching your vicious bastard die gave me more relief than a thousand lying whores. I wish I was the monster you think I am. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would gladly give my life to watch you all swallow it. Samarin! Samarin, escort the prisoner back to his cell. I will not give my life for Jeffrey's murder, and I know I'll get no justice here, so I will let the gods decide my fate. I demand a trial by combat.